You're listening to Resolution Radio. ResolutionRDO.com You're listening to the Liberty News Radio Network, and this is the Political Cesspool. The Political Cesspool, known across the South and worldwide as the South's foremost populist conservative radio program. And here to guide you through the murky waters of the political cesspool is your host, James Edwards. We're back to business as usual tonight, ladies and gentlemen, hitting uh, the news, as Sam Bushman puts it, that the networks refuse to use with uh, our quintessential blend of seriousness and good humor. The last couple of weeks have been... Uh, sort of like party shows, I guess. We had Jesse Lee Peterson on last week in, in a featured interview capacity, featured guest capacity. But, of course, two weeks ago we were in South Carolina, and then uh, we were doing special events last week as well. Sam Bushman was in studio, and uh, we had some other cast and characters in last week. But tonight we are back, and we've got a trifecta of great guests coming your way over the course of the next three hours. Uh, coming up in the middle part of the show, in the second hour, we're going to have Brad Griffin back on the show from Occidental Descent. He's going to be talking with us about the next arrest of Donald Trump, the one that's pending. Uh, that'll be the third in six months. The death of liberal conservatism and how radically charged the political cr- uh, climate is becoming. I am really looking forward to the second hour with Brad Griffin. Uh, he has got some hot topics tonight that is going to excite you and make you believe that there's going to be a chance that uh, some things are going to happen in the very near term. Later on in the show, to close it out, columnist Jose Nino from Big League Politics is going to be back uh, to talk with us about the growing backlash against wokeism and the hysterical reaction to country music superstar Jason Aldean's latest hit, Brad Griffin, Jose Nino. But first, as I always like to say when he comes on, he's not my friend, he's not your friend, he's our friend, he's John Friend. John Friend, the assistant editor of the American Free Press and associate editor of the Barnes Review, is back with us right now. And it's great to have you back, John. How are you? James, thank you so much, man. I appreciate it. It's always quite an honor, actually, to speak with you. So I appreciate you inviting me on. Well, tonight, it's always uh, great to have you on, but tonight uh, is uh, particularly special because uh, we are going to jointly announce an exciting new collaboration between TPC and the Venerable Newspaper, and we'll let you trot it out, John. What's going on? Yeah, good. No, I, I thank you very much. Yeah, um, I've been well. I've been kind of uh, in, in encouraging you to consider writing something for the paper. Going back to I think in I think I first asked you back in I want to say in the winter of last year. So um, I've been kind of encouraging you to to submit something. I you know I don't see much of your writing out there, but I know you've got great takes. I've been following your work for years, and um, you know you're very insightful. You got your uh, you know, you, you got your thumb on, on, you know, political developments and, and just the reality of race in this country and the reality of crime and just exactly what's going on. And you got really good, you know, sharp analysis of everything. So I figured you'd be a great contributor to the newspaper. And um, finally, I got you to submit a column and it was excellent. And so we've uh, ran three of your pieces now, I think we're at. And uh, no, it's awesome. It, we, you know, we've been looking for new contributors and, and I, you know, you were at the top of my list when I was thinking of people to reach out to. So it's great. And American Free Press is, uh, you know, America's last real newspaper. It is a bi-weekly national print newspaper, which, you know, there's not too many print newspapers out, out there these days, let alone an independent, populist, you know, America first 
style, you know, print newspaper. It's it's very difficult maintaining a print publication these days, as I'm sure you're aware and our you know our listeners are aware. So, you know, it's it's awesome. I've I've been a big fan of American Free Press since I first heard about him. I mean, I remember listening to the late Michael Collins Piper broadcast on RBN, and you know, he was a longtime writer for both American Free Press and the Barnes Review, and he was a huge influence on my thinking and just really like a, a big inspiration in my life to to start writing. You know, I always like when I was in college and stuff like, oh man, wouldn't it be cool to become a journalist and, you know, to be able to cover, interview people and, and, and cover certain topics and whatnot. So it's, it's really amazing, you know, to, you know, to be able to do this. And, you know, I started writing sort of, I just, you know, I actually had a friend, um, I was living in California back then. Uh, this was a uh, 2013. He encouraged me to submit an article to American Free Press. He said that they were looking for new contributors. So I emailed them a piece and, you know, I've been basically more or less a regular reporter ever since then. So that's going on 10 years now. And, um, you know, my role has sort of expanded. I'm, I'm basically the associate editor now. So I go through a lot of the original articles, get them proofread and edited and, and you know, in, in shape to basically go to print. And then, you know, I do a lot of proofreading and, and that sort of thing and, and sort of customer service related things as well. So, no, it's it's awesome. I mean, American Free Press, I feel like, is a very underrated publication. I'm going to talk and, about that. You know, there's just really not. I mean, the, and that's the thing. And we sort of talked about this on a previous podcast that we did earlier this week. There's just not any, you know, print newspapers left anymore. Certainly not independent, alternative, um, you know, again, America first. I would dare say pro-white, you know, newspapers out there these days. <laughs> we could dare to say and, that uh, around well, here. Well, yeah. <laughs> You're the guy that gives the print to us. We have Barnes Review that you're associated with, and also we have uh, American Free Press. And we're going to talk a little bit more about the background and the history of both of those publications. Obviously, American Free Press is a traditional print newspaper. Uh, the Barnes Review is a historical journal. Uh, and Magazine w- format. Yes, correct. And uh, we're going to be talking a little bit more about that. But, yes, just to, to cut to the chase and to reiterate, I have officially signed on as a columnist with – the American Free Press, and for the last uh, six weeks now, now the American Free Press is published every other week, uh, we have had articles in there. We did an article about how summer has been ruined for me between Pride Month and Juneteenth that sullied my birth month. We That was the first piece I submitted, and uh, the great Paul Angel and John Friend were good enough to say this is pretty good, and uh, so now I think it's going to be a regular, uh, long-standing relationship. Uh, That's certainly what we're looking forward to, and it's exclusive. It's exclusive content. Uh, We did an article about... the my take on the Supreme Court decision on affirmative action, which I thought was a novel take at the time when I submitted it, but then a lot of other people have sort of uh, chimed in similarly. And then the most recent one was how there is systemic racism out there, and it's the exact opposite of uh, how it's been portrayed by the media. It's very, in a, a, very much an anti-white systemic racism. But I, I'm excited to uh, to be a part of American Free Press because I, I, I want to tell you that I cut my teeth reading American Free Press when I was 19 years old. It was still called The Spotlight then. I mean, this is a very, very, very venerable and longstanding newspaper that goes back uh, to the great, uh, the late, great Willis Carto. If uh, That's another name that doesn't get its just due anymore. Uh, talk about, I mean, this guy was truly the closest thing I think we had to a media mogul. I mean, he was up there on the tier of Bill Regnery. Right. And, uh, he was a you, legend, you have, yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, absolutely a legend. I don't think enough people know the name anymore. I mean, certainly, you know, a lot of the old-timers back in the 60s and the 70s, I mean, uh, the spotlight and what he did in radio, what he did in radio. I mean, people don't even, uh, people forget that. I mean, the Barnes Review. I mean, Willis Carto is on the Bill Regnery level in terms of media moguls of our of our side and our cause, and he laid it all out there. I mean, it was his whole life. And uh, he started the spotlight. God, do you even know when, John? I mean, it, decades ago. It's got to be 50, oh, 60 just, years I old. I was going to say, yeah, I think Liberty Lobby was formed in the 60s, and the spotlight was more or less, from what I understand, like the the official publication of Liberty Lobby. I think they also did a newsletter that was a, you know, a little bit separate. Um, you know, I, and honestly, I don't even know all the details. I mean, that was well before I was even born. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I, I've read about the history, and, and you know, the, as soon as I became aware of, of Willis Cardo, you know, again, largely through listening to the late Michael Collins Piper, I was just immediately intrigued. I mean, here was a guy, like, despite all odds, was able to maintain these print publications, which to me is very, very important. And James, I'm sure you can, you know, you recognize this now being censored from Twitter. I mean, we're getting yeah, we're censored yeah. left and right, you know, so it's the, the importance of having like a print publication is so critical. And he was able to do it all these years and it, and it carries on today. 60 years, yeah, 60 years about uh, thereabouts. So we'll be right back. Uh, we will be right back. We're going to give you a little more about this. Then we're going to get into some topics. But I think you'll be, I think you'll enjoy what we're about to share with you. Stay tuned, everybody. Hey there, TPC family. This is James Edwards, your host of The Political Cesspool. Folks, I want you to subscribe to the American Free Press, America's last real newspaper. Against all odds, AFP has and continues to publish a populist, independent print newspaper with an unparalleled track record. Founded by a dedicated group of experienced patriots, AFP pulls no punches and tackles the most controversial and pressing issues facing America from an America First perspective. I've worked with the American Free Press since even before the beginning of TPC. Now that's something. You can subscribe to the print edition by visiting AmericanFreePress.net today or simply pick up a handy digital edition subscription. However you do it, subscribe to the American Free Press, America's last real newspaper, by visiting AmericanFreePress.net or by calling 1-88-699-NEWS, AmericanFreePress.net. Why does the left lie constantly? Because they get spiritual power from lying. The lies come from Satan, the father of lies, John 8:44. Here's how the political lying process works. Satan provides the beast with a lie. Then, the more they use the lie, the more they reproduce the lie. The more spiritual power they get. Now look, the media is a lie multiplier. And this multiplication gives more evil spiritual power to the beast. That power protects the cells of the beast from prosecution. Why isn't Hillary in prison? She is protected. We must restore our national relationship with God. Truth is sacred in the kingdom. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. Isaiah 9, 6. A message from Christ Kingdom Ministries.
Well, welcome back, everybody. The big announcement this hour is that I will be working uh, in a, on a regular basis, hopefully every issue. I mean, I think that's the goal right now as a columnist for American Free Press. And uh, the offer and the opportunity John Friend extended to me, as he said, uh, I, I think it was last winter. And I was immediately intrigued because, uh, well, I'll tell you in just a moment how far back my relationship with the American Free Press goes uh, and the spotlight and Willis Cardo. Uh, but I have stretched pretty thin. I mean, we're putting in probably about 60 hours a week on movement-related stuff. The three hours we do on the radio every Saturday night, that's just the fun part. I mean, the administrative work, I'm on the board of directors of a couple of different organizations and uh, helping just other things behind the scenes, working with Kevin McDonald on the Occidental Quarterly on its distribution. I mean, I, I'm, I'm in a lot of places. And it wasn't that I didn't want to do it. Uh, it was just that I didn't think I could do it on the level that the American free press deserved because anything I want to do, I want to do right. Uh, you know, we're traveling a lot. We're making an appearances. And I wanted to be able to fully commit to doing something and not just have, you know, an article here, an article there. I wanted to give them what they wanted. And I just didn't know if I had the time. Uh, but we did submit an, an article uh, for the Barnes Review uh, that was well received back uh, earlier this year, back I think it was the January issue. And I I like seeing that in print. I mean, I'm, I'm an old school guy here on uh, AM Talk Radio, and there's something about print that has uh, a permanence to it. And I, I enjoyed seeing that. And then when I lost Twitter, I mean, that was the thing. I mean, we were reaching a lot of people on Twitter. And, and, and not that Twitter was, you know, absolutely labor intensive, but I certainly spend as much time on Twitter uh, per month uh, that it would take to, to write a couple of articles per month. And losing that voice, you know, we had uh, so many thousands and thousands of followers. And then, of course, it's amplified through retweets to the point where you were, you were reaching tens of thousands, sometimes hundreds of thousands. One of our tweets uh, right before I was banned reached a million people. So you're getting a lot of eyeballs there. When that was taken away from me, I went back to John and I said, you know what, is the offer still available? Because this is how you have to be uh, in in this uh, trench war that we're in. You have to be nimble. You have to be able to be adaptive. If they cut off your leg, use your arm. If they cut off your arm, grow wings. I mean, grow a tail, do something. You got to keep, uh, you got to keep engaged. You got to keep getting back out there. And I appreciated the fact that the American Free Press has been around for so many years, as we were just talking about, always delivered at a very professional uh, and high level. And it's got a readership coveted enough and large enough to support a full-time staff. So, you know, you're going to be reaching people there, uh, but it was more to it than that. Uh, I can, uh, I mean, everybody remembers, you know, I, I probably mentioned this more than I should, but every show, I guess uh, the, chain of events that led me into radio, Buchanan, and then my own campaign. And then we went into radio in 2004, and we've been here ever since. So it had been a lot of stops, but we've made them count. But there was that one year in between the end of my campaign in 2002 and when the radio show started in 2004, where I was kind of looking, I didn't have anything to do, and I was looking for a way to do something. And there was a guy that I knew who I'd worked with on the Buchanan campaign named Warren Baldwin. And Warren Baldwin was a friend of Willis Cardo. And he said, you want to stay involved? You want to stay active? Let's go up to Washington. Let's meet with Willis Cardo, and we'll see if he'll let you write for the American Free Press. This is in 2003. Now, I've been reading the spotlight since 2019, and I was already very well familiar with who Willis Cardo was, although I'd never met him before. And we went up there, and we went to Washington, D.C., and we sat in the office of Willis Cardo, and we hit it off. Uh, we hit it off to the point where Willis sent me a wedding gift when I got married in 2006, and he let me write. <laughs> I couldn't do it very well. I, I don't know how well I do it now, but I certainly didn't write very well back in 2003. But every time I sent something in, they would clean it up and, and put it in the paper. And I actually still uh, had it on the back of my book in 2010, a former writer for the American Free Press. And uh, 
And so it goes back to all of that, and, uh, well, here we are now. And I think if you look at it, in terms of media, in terms of pro-white media, uh, here you have the longest-running media, uh, talk media outlet here with TPC, now 19 years. And, of course, in print uh, media, uh, the American Free Press and the Spotlight goes back, as we mentioned, decades. So to team up with an organization like that is definitely an honor. And as we mentioned, these columns are exclusive content to the American Free Press. They don't appear in the American Free Press, and a few days later we put them up at our website. If you want to uh, see what we're having to say in the printed uh, word, you're going to have to subscribe. And I was very excited to hear, John, that uh, we've only been on the – I keep using the royal we, I guess, because I'm embarrassed to say I. I like to say we because I see this thing as a collective and not as an individual effort. But uh, since uh, I've been uh, – Given the opportunity to write for American Free Press, I know that uh, somebody has ordered extra copies. They like the Rosa Parks article. You even had some new subscribers that have already caught on and said, hey, if he's writing, we want to sign on. So we're hoping more and more people to do that because it's very important with all the world against us that the people who have been producing good fruit for all of these years stick together and work together. So it's a, a mutually beneficial thing, I hope. Maybe I'm Abs- drop absolutely. in there. Like yeah, Keith, feel free. Let, yeah, let's uh, let's see what Keith's got to say. I'm sure he's got something provocative to say, as always. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, we need to get you down here. I know we're going to have some celebration next week, year for a 20th anniversary, and I hope to see you in person. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we'll oh, I'd love that. that. Yeah, absolutely. I've never been to Memphis. I definitely want to go to Graceland. So, yeah, I'd be... I'd be I'd be more than happy to come down there. Well, um, but James, yeah, I was just about to say, <laughs> yeah. put on your bulletproof vest and we'll take you to Graceland. But yeah, so anyway, yeah. talking about well, I'm a big I'm a big El- the- I'm a big Elvis fan. So, <laughs> well, who doesn't um, like Elvis? We no, all like Elvis. Yeah, well, James exactly. has a se- I mean, has a, a second career as an Elvis impersonator. Yeah, yeah. 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 Ah, well, we okay, like okay. Everybody in Memphis got an Elvis story. But anyway, yeah, go ahead, John. Yeah, you you can respond. No, I just no, I just I mean I appreciate what you had to say. I mean that's you know I couldn't agree with you more. And and in the American Free Press again it was it, it like basically regrouped from the spotlight in 2001 and it's been published uninterrupted ever since then um at one point it was a weekly national print newspaper now it's bi-weekly as we've mentioned and you know i remember first coming across it and in, in, in ordering my first subscription years ago back like what 2000 probably 2011 or 2012 before i started even writing for him and I was just amazed, like, here's a newspaper that's covering all the most important topics, whether it's the New World Order or politics or these racial issues that we talk about or, quote, unquote, conspiracy theories. I mean, I think that's a very sort of weaponized term, but you know what I mean? Like various conspiracies and then really get, really not, a, you know, a, new, a publication, a newspaper that was not afraid to tackle the most controversial topics facing society, facing the world, really. And, you know, I've just always been a a big fan. You know, there's some iconic writers that come from American Free Press, including the late Michael Collins Piper, who I've mentioned. The late Victor Thorne was a a writer for American Free Press for years. So it's it's really just a cool publication. And I'm, like, dumbfounded that, you know, we're still able to to put out a print newspaper when so many, like, big corporate papers, you know, are, are failing left and right. And it's very, very difficult to, you know, to compete in this sort of environment. But... Somehow, some way, we you know we we're, we're able to make it happen, and of course that's uh, our hats go off to all of our subs- you know subscribers and supporters, and I think it is a really worthy endeavor. I mean, again, we you know we've talked about censorship. I mean, and 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 again, I'm kind of old school like you, James. I mean, I remember waking up every day before school back when I was in high school, and I would sit down and I would read the local paper, the excuse me, the yeah. local paper, from start to finish, just to. 
I, I had a history teacher that was like, if you want to really start figuring out what's going on in the world, you got to read the newspaper every day. And I was like, oh, wow, okay, yeah. So I took that to heart, and I started doing that, and I just, you know, I've always been like a newspaper junkie. You know, I like reading printed material, uh, magazine, like local magazines, national magazines, uh, you know, newspapers. So I don't know. I guess that that's there's probably not too many people like me, I guess, <laughs> but um, th that's the way that I've always been. So to be associated and affiliated with the American Free Press is really quite an honor. And, you know, every, every week we try to put in, uh, put in the best material that we can find. And I'm very glad that you've decided to, to take the lead here and, and, and give us your takes. Cause like I said, well, I appreciate that. Yeah. You, you and the whole got team some, up there yeah. for being so supportive. Well, you put me in a, a position to succeed. You're a good editor, John. You give me good topics to write on. And I appreciate the fact that y'all, um, think it's worthy enough of the paper because again, you're talking about a distinguished paper going back decades, as we've mentioned, that still has a subscription base to support a full-time staff. So this is how the staff is making a living. You know, people say all the time, well, print is dying, print is dying. And that's true to a large extent because, I mean, you've got thousands of thousands of newspapers in this country that are all saying the exact same thing. So what about the one that doesn't say the exact the same thing? The one that's telling the truth. Exactly. Well, I mean, Keith, yep. you see it all the time. I mean, here in Memphis and across the country, everything's a, cut, a copy and paste job. It's Associated Press stuff that's copy and pasted and put in the memphis commercial appeal or whatever i mean they're all on what we I mean, call our local paper here the communist appeal but i'm just but they all but there's no diversity so of opinion so i mean you know you can get the same story i mean literally word for word not just the same take or the same general uh opinion but the exact same stories word for word in any number of papers but then you've got a paper like this and again i like the permanence of it i i like i mean after have been been shut down and banned from every social media place from Twitter to uh, YouTube to I can't even remember how many others all the credit card processors I like being but I I prefer to take in my material by by holding something I like something that I can hold in my hand now not everybody's like that there's right. no probably if you like the e-book stuff and the e-zines e but uh, for people who do like this this is the place to go now we're going to be talking a little bit more in the next segment about some of the regular topics that you'll find in the pages of uh, the American Free Press, and also mentioned the Barnes Review as well because the same team works on that as well. So uh, stay tuned. More to come. And then we're going to get into the current and contemporary issues with our guests in the second and third hour, Brad Griffin and Jose Nino. Protecting your liberties. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA News. I'm Jerry Varmash. Many Americans believe any new criminal indictment against former President Trump would hurt his chances in the 2024 election. According to a Harvard Caps Harris poll released on Friday, 57% of those surveyed think federal charges related to the January 6th riot at the Capitol and attempts to overthrow the 2020 election would cost him votes. However, the poll shows an identical majority also think the previous indictment in the classified documents case was aimed at adding drama to the presidential election. Trump says he'll impose the death penalty for human traffickers if he's elected president again. Trump said in a video Friday he'll urge Congress to pass legislation to institute the death penalty for human traffickers who carry women and children across the U.S. border. He also promised to reinstate Title 42, a COVID-era policy that allows authorities to turn away migrants from the southern border for health purposes. 
purposes. This comes after Trump held a showing of the film Sound of Freedom at his Bedminster, New Jersey golf club. The film tells the story of a DHS agent who investigated trafficking rings. I'm Jacqueline Carl. Millions of Americans coast to coast have been dealing with another day of extreme heat. Temperatures in Phoenix topped 110 degrees for the entire month of July, setting a record. A $45,000 reward is being offered in the shooting death of an Alabama firefighter and the wounding of a colleague. 29-year-old Jordan Melton died five days after a gunman walked into a Birmingham fire station and began shooting. The other firefighter was critically wounded. Police have not made any arrests, and the motive for the July 12th shooting remains unclear. South Korea's military is confirming North Korea fired several cruise missiles into the Yellow Sea. It's the second such launch this week, as that country remains silent on the whereabouts of an American soldier who fled across the border. This is USA News. Do you have heart failure and often hear? Those stomach issues ruined your birthday. You're too tired to play catch, Grandpa. Sweetie, you haven't touched your tools since the carpal tunnel syndrome diagnosis. If these seemingly unrelated symptoms sound familiar, talk to your cardiologist. Ask about transthyretin amyloid cardiomyopathy or ATTRCM, a rare and underdiagnosed disease that gets worse over time. Learn more at connecttoyourheart.com. That's connecttoyourheart.com. Sponsored by Pfizer. Now. Now your ideas don't have to wait. Now they have everything they need to come to life. Dell Technologies and Intel are creating technology that loves ideas. Loves expanding your business, evolving your passions. We push what technology can do. So great ideas can happen right now. Find out how to bring your ideas to life at Dell.com. Welcome to Now. Exactly 20 years, but I'm back officially on with uh, an official capacity with the American Free Press, who's always been so good to me, and I have such a great deal of respect for the publication and and for uh, its history. We mentioned uh, the great Willis Cardo, uh, who passed away uh, not too terribly long ago. What, uh, it's eight years now, something two, like that. 2000, 2015. I was actually, yeah, I never, right. I never got, unfortunately, I never got a chance to meet him. I talked to him a few times just over the telephone, and I was actually going to go out to Washington, D.C. to meet him in 2015, like the fall of 2015, and unfortunately, he passed away, so I was never actually able to meet him, which is uh, very unfortunate, but um, yeah, no, again, a total legend in, in this whole movement, um, a very un- underappreciated, under, um, under-acknowledged figure, I think, and um, you know, Paul Angel has is, is been there for, for a very long time, and he's just a a total professional, a, a, a very brilliant guy, very dedicated, puts together an excellent publication, every issue of both the Barnes Review and American Free Press. Well, listen, I mean, and it, you're, this isn't a paid advertisement, by the way. I mean, this is something we wanted to announce the fact that I'm on as a columnist. I think that's a it's a, look, talk radio and, and print news kind of go together, I think, uh, if you 
if you want to take it that way. There's nothing wrong with e-zines, web-based publications. A lot of them are getting a lot of eyeballs these days. Some of them fizzle. Some of them can be taken down. Uh, but you're talking about here a publication that's been around for so long. And it's so professional, as you said. I mean, the graphics, the editing, the design, the layout, everything. It's a good fit for me. Uh, and, Keith, I know you are a huge fan of the Barnes Review, and we'll talk a little bit more because there is a relationship there between AFP and the Barnes Review. I was about to say, uh, the American Free Press is great. I love it. But the thing that really just knocks the ball out of the park for me is the Barnes Review. I was not that aware that there was a magazine totally devoted to revisionist history. Which I, 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 I some, I really don't like call, even though that is what it's called. That's the appropriate term. We're not the revisionists. We're the one telling the actual we're, history. We're telling the truth. Well, the truth is always. Uh, I see what that I mean, but you know, uh, uh, you know, revolutionary. I guess, uh, particularly in today's world. But I mean, that thing is so scholarly and so well written, and it gets into every nook and cranny of history, not just. World Wars One and Two and things like that. That you know, that there are books like Myth of the German Villainy by Benton Bradbury and whatnot, but or the greatest story never told. But this publication gets into Ottoman history, things like that. Uh, you know, ancient history, and it's incredible. I mean, I I, I take that thing, I keep it in my car, and whenever I have some, some spare time, if I go to you know get a hamburger out somewhere i pull that thing out and i'm reading it because i just you know i i, I have i've got to tell you that it I, it's totally impressive that what you've done there with the barnes review so i'm going to ask john to explain the difference and the and the overlap between the american free press newspaper and the barnes review uh, revisionist journal uh, but I, I i broke it down for keith earlier i said it's kind of like the four seasons the four seasons in the 60s had all of these hits and uh, you had the band and you had the uh, producers and all of that and and then they had so many hits they offered up a few tracks as the wonder who well the wonder who was the exact same band exact same production and then you had when frankie valley went out on a solo his background singers are the same members of the four seasons same producers bob crew and so on and so forth so they had like three different entities but it's all the same the same yeah, james can never uh, <laughs> n never pass up an opportunity to count can, the four seasons i can work them in in That's any favorite group of all time <laughs> but uh there is uh, talk about the the different missions and purposes of american free press and, and barnes review and uh, what the relationship is between the two well they are two totally separate publications and i mean american free press it's basically described as a populist independent you know, America first type publication and, and America first is, you know, obviously taken on a different connotation with, you know, Trump's candidacy. American free press has always been America, you know, America first going back it's to a like, newspaper, right, John, it's yeah. something that is, you know, supposed to be topical and something. That's oh yeah. Delivered yeah. in your mailbox. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a newspaper. We cover current events. I mean, we get into some, you know, historical topics as well. Um, I mean, since I've been writing for him, I mean, I've covered, oh my gosh, I've covered so many different topics. I've, I've interviewed probably literally hundreds of people. Um, you know, I do a regular uh, AFP report where I interview special guests and also contributors to the to the newspaper to cover stories that we have in, in, in you know, re recent issues and stuff like that. Uh, but I also reach out and interview all sorts of people. I mean, I've covered conferences. I, I remember, the, I think the first conference I ever covered you know, as a reporter for American Free Press, was a con a conference on the uh, the assassination of JFK, 
which was very interesting. I mean, that's a topic that, that American Free Press and the spotlight before it have been covering for years. You know, these quote-unquote conspiracies, which, I mean, to any to anybody that's paid any attention, a quote-unquote conspiracy is just an alternative explanation to the official one, <laughs> which, uh, you know, many like times... That would be perfect for the Barnes Review, quite frankly, that topic. Oh, yeah. I mean, the Barnes Review has covered the, the assassination of JFK as well extensively over the years. But no, I mean, American Free Press is, you know, it's a, it's a populist, independent print newspaper. I mean, that, that's what it is. Um, I mean, I, I've focused on so many issues. I mean, BLM, you know, madness, the BLM insurrection in 2020, um, the, 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 the overall anti-white agenda. I just wrote a piece actually in this most recent issue that actually complimented James's article very, very well. It was all about how the U.S. Um, Air Force Academy is sort of inserting these very woke, you know, an- frankly anti-white ideologies like critical race theory and praise of BLM and promoting notions of white supremacy, which is exactly the topic of, of James's column. I mean, there is no such thing as you know white supremacy in this country. If anything, everything is directed against white people in this country from top to bottom. So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, we cover all sorts of issues. I mean, politics, um, the, the war in, in, in Ukraine. I mean, we've covered all the wars. Right. You know, so any the, of the, the current years. issues yeah. and the hot topics, headline news, American Free Press is going to be tackling it from a pro-white, America first type of perspective. And then the Barnes Review, obviously, more scholarly mm-hmm. articles. Focusing he dives on into history. Topics of historical in nature. But there is a, a yes. commonality in so much as Willis Cardo was behind both. And you're the associate editor of one, the assistant editor of the other. Paul Angel is associated with both. So it's sort of like the same team putting them together, even though they have different purposes and different reasons for being. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, that, that, that's true. And the Barnes Review, I mean, I love the motto. It's, it's dedicated to bringing history into accord with the facts. And that's a direct quote from Dr. Harry Elmer Barnes, who's the namesake of the, of the publication. And he was one of the first, you know, I guess, quote unquote, revisionist historians. And I too am kind of, you know, ambivalent about that word. I mean, I sort of embrace it, but at the same time, it's kind of a loaded term because again, all, all revisionist history is, is basically considering all perspectives, all information, and an overall historical analysis. History into something other than a pejorative term. Well, and this is the thing. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and and it, it being able to present the argument in a style that is attractive, it has to look good. I mean, God bless the people who go to the local copy shop and print out black and white pieces of paper and put them on doors or, or whatever you're doing to get the windshields or whatever. But in, when you're able to produce something professionally and to a degree that rivals that of our enemies and adversaries, well, that's, then you've got something. It's going to get you further down the road. Well, the, the sizzle, the, the the sizzle review, is important. Yeah, the Barnes Review, basically, the format is better than any other yeah, it looks public, really good. Any monthly publication of, of the mainstream that I can think of. And uh, look, I, I, I agree. It's certainly competing with, with any of them, that's for sure. I mean, it's outstanding. I'm looking at the most recent one, and, and Keith, you had talked about how we really cover, you know, all aspects of history. It's not just related to World War II and the, you know, alleged Holocaust, although that is a huge topic that we've we focused on over the years. But, I mean, we cover the Civil War. We cover ancient ancient history. We cover American history. The, we cover European War. history. The Crimean War, exactly. And this most recent issue, we've actually got a, and, and I, I know he's been a guest on the political cesspool, Remy Tremblay, who is an oh, outstanding, yes. yeah, fr- yeah, French-Canadian journalist and historian. 
he wrote the the lead article in this most recent issue, which is the July August 2023 issue, and it's all about the, the this quote unquote French insurrection in 1934. So I mean, we're covering French history. It's it's really incredible, and it, I mean, you know, we got to tip our hats again to our, our see, great look, contributors. How many people know that there was even a uprising in France in 1934? I mean. This is doing a wonderful job of educating the people. Well, you got to know your history. Absolutely. Yeah, you, yep. you, you separate a, a people from their faith, their history, and then they're dead. And that's, of course, what people want. So it's important to have these people pushing back and to have this network and uh, people all pulling in the same direction. Talking about the, the fact that my history with AFP goes back, it even predates the show itself. Okay, So that's a long time. And you have this sense of stick and brotherhood and fraternity. And perseverance. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, you're talking about two very venerable publications here, American Free Press in, in terms of the newspaper, current events. Uh, the quality topics. of the writing and the uh, uh, historical research and whatnot, I don't think that you can match those publications. Uh, and there's nothing that the mainstream or the legacy media puts out that's even in the same ballpark as it. Well, we're going to talk a little bit more about it. One more segment with John Friend. So you probably have already decided for yourself that we're fans. <laughs> that you want to know more. AmericanFreePress.net AmericanFreePress.net and uh, we'll give you the website for the Barnes Review when we come back. Stay tuned. Hello, TPC family. It's James, and I've got to tell you that I sleep better at night knowing that there are organizations like the Conservative Citizens Foundation. The purpose of the Conservative Citizens Foundation is to promote the principles of limited government, individual liberty, equality before the law, property rights, law and order, judicial restraint, and states' rights, while, at the same time, exploring the dangers posed by liberalism to our national interests and cultural institutions. The Conservative Citizens Foundation also seeks to educate the public on the dangers of extremist ideologies like critical race theory and cultural Marxism. I've worked with the good people at the Conservative Citizens Foundation for many years and their work comes with my complete endorsement. For more information and to keep up with all the latest conservative news headlines, please check out their website, MericaFirst.com. That's M-E-R-I-C-A-1-S-T.com. MericaFirst.com. My name is Christian Knuckles. I prophesy there will be no revival until the church leadership stops lying to the people. I'm the first soldier of the spiritual body of Christ, the Lion of Judah, the Confederate Church of Christ. I'm here to declare the lion will lie down with the lamb when the lying stops. A message from Christ Kingdom Ministries and brought to you by confederatechurchofchrist.com. Introducing Managed IT Services from NPI. We offer top-notch data backup and recovery, email spam protection, and network security tailored to your needs and budget. With 20-plus years of experience in the medical field, our HIPAA-certified consultants know what it takes to protect sensitive information. Don't settle for less. Give us a call at 801-706-6980 and experience the difference with Managed IT Services. Remember, your IT support should be fast, efficient, and reliable. When you're in a movement that uh, brings 
you a lot of enemies, it's important to have friends. And we've got one in John Friend. Uh, John Friend, a friend in, de- in need, is a friend indeed. Uh, and he is uh, an editor of both the American Free Press, America's last real newspaper, AmericanFreePress.net. You can catch my column there now, uh, which uh, will be in most every issue. And I know some people are already excited about that, and we're excited about that for the reasons we've already stated. Also, the Barnes Review. Go to Barnes Review, B-A-R-N-E-S, BarnesReview.org. It's a journal of politically incorrect history in the style of Harry Elmer Barnes putting history into accord with the facts. And uh, these are both publications I was reading as a teenager. I don't know how many teenagers can honestly say that, but I could, and that uh, that goes back to the 90s. Uh, but uh, in any event, it's... Uh, well, I, I I will say well, I'm going to say what I'm about to say in a minute. No, let me let me recollect my thoughts. And I'm going to say this first. <laughs> uh, so uh, the the situation with the uh, American Free Press and uh, the need for us to to all stick together it uh, was a hand in glove type of a fit because again when I lost Twitter I was looking for a way to uh, apply myself and this gave us a nice voice and similarly. When Amazon canceled after, for whatever reason, 12 years, 12 years into the publication of Racism Schmaces, I might get an email from Amazon, uh, you, we are banning your account, there will be no more royalties, and you cannot come back under another name, you're, you're done, basically, and there's no appeal. And so they were like, I was like, well, my, you know, the book was, you know, it wasn't selling briskly after 12 years, you know, still some people would buy it every month. And I was like, well, that, you know, that just, it, it pissed me off. You know, I wanted to do something about it. And uh, I had the opportunity from Patrick Martin. Patrick Martin, uh, uh, just a few months later, I was thinking, well, I'll just write another book and somehow get it out somewhere, even if we have to just sell it straight through the, the radio show. And then I had the opportunity with Patrick Martin. He gave me the opportunity to contribute a chapter, which ended up being the opening chapter of The Honorable Cause. And this is the importance, I think, of remembering who your friends are and pulling in the same direction and working together. So I did that because Amazon had shut down my account and and banned me from selling copies of Racism Schmacism 12 years after the fact, but they finally got around to it. And so I wrote an opening chapter for this brand new book, The Honorable Cause, and it has been, it has exceeded expectations by every standard of measurement. And similarly, when we got banned by Twitter, I, I went back and got it back in touch with John Friend, who'd given me the opportunity to come on as a columnist. And now we're reaching a lot of people there uh, that would not have been receiving it otherwise. And remember, it is exclusive content, so you got to subscribe to get it. It will not be reposted at, at the website. But with regards to, I want to ask you this, John, the reason I said all of that is to ask you this. Uh, you look at and I'm not saying, I mean, I am not saying that the honorable cause would have not been a success otherwise, but I had, after all these years in radio, gotten to know a lot of people, obviously. We have a pretty vast network. We've got a lot of tentacles out there here at TPC. There was some bar graph. i got to send this to you, John. It was, some, it was a scatter plot, and it showed, like, the reach of TPC compared to, you know, some of the others. And uh, it's, it's pretty funny. It was an SPLC-sanctioned thing a couple of years ago. And you Hillary, remember that, Hillary Clinton said that you were responsible for Trump's election. Well, she that? said I was an extremist. Uh, that was actually Media Matters that said I was one of the – anyway. But um, – so I, I, I contacted some people who were regulars on the show, and I said, you know, I'm, I'm writing an article, or excuse me, a, 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 a chapter for this new book. Would you take a look, and if you think it's worth it, would you review it? And every one of them to a man did. Uh, Tom Sunich reviewed it for 
The Occidental Observer, Kevin McDonald's publication. Sasha Rossmuller reviewed it for uh, a German print newspaper, uh, a magazine that is on uh, newsstands in Germany. Remy Tremblay, who you just mentioned, uh, reviewed it for his publication, the French-Canadian publication. Roger Devlin reviewed it for American Renaissance. Spencer Quinn reviewed it for uh, Countercurrents. Clyde Wilson uh, the venerable Southern historian, preeminent Southern historian, reviewed it. And John Friend, the latest, most recent review of the Honorable Cause for the Barnes Review itself. It's in the most recent issue. And, John, I want to thank you for that. Oh, no problem, man. It's a great book. I mean, I got it as soon as it came out, basically, and had been sort of working on the review. I mean, I had it written, but, you know, it takes some time to get it actually, you know, out there printed. And then, uh, you know, it's it's actually on the website. You can find it on barnesreview.org. And I've also posted it on my personal website, which is therealistreport.com. And you can actually find a lot of the material that I write for American Free Press, at least the material that goes on their website. I'll often cross-post it on my website, therealistreport.com. Same thing with all the radio programs that I do for both American Free Press and the Barnes Review. You can find that over on my website as well. And, yeah, man, it's a great book. And, and you know, again, this is what... This is what the Barnes Review, this is what American Free Press is all about is, you know, promoting good, independent, quality material like this. And, you know, and see, that's the thing, really. I mean, we see how, like, weaponized the media is against white people, just against, you know, even even just regular conservatives. We see how weaponized the DOJ and the FBI have become, certainly since, you know, Trump's been in office. And we see like this this weaponization of language, you know, designed basically to demonize and discredit white people, especially, you know, we're always on the defensive with these labels like racist or white supremacist, or even, I mean, I, I mentioned like the whole conspiracy theorist idea. I mean, what does that even mean aside from, you know, not blindly accepting what the government and media say about any particular event? Um, and then, of course, you know, like anti-Semitism, of course, that's like probably one of the most weaponized terms out there. And, you know, we see how history itself, the, the historical record is weaponized primarily, again, against white people. But I think really against anybody that's concerned about the truth and, and really what's happened in our world and what's happened historically. And, um, you know, so I guess I'm saying all this because that's this is what like I try to do with everything I write, everything I talk about whether it's in American Free Press or the Barnes Review or even on my own website um, or, you know, any of the radio programs that I do. I mean, our good friend, Dr. Kevin McDonald, I remember first, like, hearing this expressed and articulated. You know, he's pointed out and demonstrated quite conclusively that, you know, these, these radical, and frankly, radical, anti-white Jewish intellectuals and activists have, like, totally pathologized any form of having a positive, healthy, pro-white racial identity. You know, and, 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 you know, even an understanding of history or politics, you know, whites who are simply aware that they're white and who embrace like a positive, healthy outlook on their own people and our history and our culture. I mean, we're smeared as like white supremacists or racists or something. You know, it's just it's just insane. And this is exactly what well, you know, publications like that, this John. are dedicated to rectifying. Yeah. Yeah. John. It's not a coincidence that they are anti-white. That is their whole raison d'etre, okay? That's their purpose. They want to, look, throughout the last century, there's been a systematic displacement of white Anglos from leadership and elite positions in not only America but in Europe as well uh, by Jewish power and influence. And we need to understand that this is not 
a coincidence. This is their purpose. That was the purpose behind the Civil Rights Movement. That was the purpose behind the Feminist Movement. Uh, the purpose behind uh, the Homosexual Rights Movement. Every one of those things has a single thread that runs through them, and that is reduction of white birth rates. It's time for us to understand as white people that we're in a war and that the left is our enemy. There's no, you know, they're not being ideological. They are being racial in their animus. Oh, yeah. Look, I, I couldn't agree with you more. And I mean, that's the thing, like, really, that's the most, like, sort of astonishing thing when you kind of wake up to this stuff is, you know, you look at politics, you look at just society in general, and everybody's out there competing, you know, all these different racial and ethnic and minority groups, everybody's got their own team, they got their own, they got their own leaders, they got their own organizations and groups. And here are white people just sitting on the sidelines watching you know, even if they, you know, if they sort of notice anything, yeah. like they're demonized as like racist, it's just unacceptable. And, you know, again, I mean, these publications aren't specifically dedicated, you know, to like, a, you know, like a pro-white message or whatever. But I mean, if you're talking about the truth, you inevitably come to these conclusions, you recognize these things. And, you know, that's what this is all about is just presenting information honestly and, and, and accurately from a healthy, positive pro-America position for sure. Well, I will say this, uh, and this is my honest and personal opinion here, but I think that the single greatest writer in terms of putting his take on current events and being able to articulate that message through the printed word is Gregory Hood of American Renaissance. I also love Brad Griffin. Uh, Brad Griffin writes in a very different style, but I'm an Occidental descent. And Brad Griffin, by the way, is going to be with us in the very next hour. We're going to be talking about a whole lot of current issues and why Brad thinks this whole thing is about to boil to a head. And there's going to be an event very soon that is going to sort things out for better or worse. So stay tuned for that. But I love reading Brad's thoughts. He is an amateur historian, but he also has great takes on current events. He writes in a little bit different style, more of a just sort of like a bullet point type of thing. But he's, he's fantastic. But I will say, and this is the truth. The single best who, what, where, when, and why reporter that our movement has is John Friend. If you read any of his reports, a true, a true scoop style journalist or reporter, that's that's John Friend. So it's a little bit different than an op-ed, uh, the way he writes and and what his articles uh, are there for American Free Press. But you can find out more at AmericanFreePress.net. I always enjoy reading a traditional report with quotes and all of that, not necessarily his own opinions, but just, just the facts. Uh, and John does right. it in a way that nobody else can at AmericanFreePress.net. And again, exclusive content now, my exclusive column for American Free Press, every issue, AmericanFreePress.net. Can't find it anywhere else. John, th this is the Well, this thanks, is man. I, I mean, appreciate you saying that, yeah. No, I, I, well, I, mean, I mean, I really it. do. That, that me yeah, well, that, I mean, that means a lot to me because, you know, I do put a lot of time and effort into this. And, you know, I mean, I, 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 I you, you know, you look at the, the, the profession of journalism now it's like such a disgrace and i am trying to bring some integrity back to the profession and and present things from a little bit different perspective again from my own unique you know pro-america america first type perspective you know populist independent you do, that you sort do of the thing. job that other people don't want to do everybody wants to be an op-ed writer not everybody wants to go and deal with the nuts and bolts and the daily that's right. grind that's right. of reporting the news. That's right. Right. Well, yep. but this is the, the perseverance of it all. I mean, John's taken his lumps over the years, but, I mean, we just mentioned it, I think, over the course of this hour. My 
contribution to the uh, the honorable cause was in response to Amazon banning races and spaces. And my newfound, uh, newly minted column in American Free Press is in response to Twitter banning me. Uh, there's a resiliency between those of us who have been putting in year after year after year. And again, how about decade after decade after decade? Then you get on the level well, of American Free Press growing. and Barnes Review. We are. Oh, growing. sure. I remember it used to be Pat Buchanan, Joe Sobern, Willis Carto. Uh, Sam Francis, Sam Francis, people like that. Now look at all of these. Oh, it's 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 a proliferation, absolutely, and it's only getting bigger. Uh, but we want to thank the people who have been doing it the longest, and we've got one of them here right now with the uh, publications that have. John, thanks so much, my friend, and AmericanFreePress.net, BarnesReview.org. Subscribe to both, and we'll talk to you again soon, John. Of course, I'll be talking to you quick because we got another column coming out next week. You've made a serious investment in protecting yourself and your family. You've purchased the gun, the ammunition, the training, and even secured a license to carry in your state. You know the Constitution and don't believe you should have to pay for a right that you already have, as written in the Second Amendment, but you are law-abiding. Now you are considering the legal defense options you should have if you ever have to use a firearm. Self-Defense Fund is a comprehensive litigation membership backing you on appeals, legal expenses, court costs, and more up to $1 million per incident and unlimited attorney costs per member. Discover SelfDefenseFund.com for yourself. Any weapon, any state, any time. Are you prepared to bug out? Infidel Body Armor and an Army Ranger have produced a high-speed DVD and book to show you how to drive in combat, patrol, and how to survive in combat. Skills you'll need when it hits the fan. Go to DrivenDVD.com. DrivenDVD.com. You're listening to Resolution Radio Radio. ResolutionRDO.com In ancient times, man roamed the earth in a constant state of hunting or being hunted. Introducing Caveman, where cutting-edge science meets ancient super nutrients. Secure your bottle right now at InfoWarsStore.com You're listening to the Political Cesspool on ResolutionRDO.com Call and listen now at 607-203-5423 That's 607-203-5423. Listen, do you hear that sound? It started low, but it's getting progressively louder. Into a crescendo, even louder. Irresistible ending in an ear-splitting blast of mass disruption. That's the sound of America's economic and political systems crashing to the ground. But we have a plan. We will be ready to restore political sanity. We will be ready to answer the call of productive America. We will restore America's industrial base and put America back to work. We will shut down political correctness and restore decency and positive media to America. We will save our constitution, our traditional way of life, our customs, and religion. We will restore sound money and crush the debt-based system of monetary slavery. And we will end America's foreign misadventures. We are the American Freedom Party, and we have a plan. Learn more about us, the American Freedom Party, dot U.S. You're listening to the Liberty News Radio Network, and this is the Political Cesspool. The Political Cesspool, known across the South and worldwide, as the South's foremost populist conservative radio program. And here to guide you through the murky waters of the political cesspool is your host, James Edwards. 
Well, it's great to be back with you tonight as we get back to business as usual after two weeks of travel and special events and uh, quasi-party shows. You just heard from John Friend of the American Free Press and the Barnes Review. Coming up later still, columnist Jose Nino of... Big League Politics. Big League Politics uh, is going to be talking about the growing backlash against wokeism, the reaction to country music superstar Jason Aldean's latest hit. But first, or I, I should say, but now is uh, right in the middle of it all, right in the middle of all the action. The, the star of the show. Really, I think he's a guy who is uh, sort of an unofficial producer of the program or at least a, a, a writer because we mention inside his work in just about they, they every say show. They imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. Well, if it is, uh, feel flattered, uh, Brad. Brad Griffin, editor-in-chief of Occidental Descent, really a brother of mine. We're the same age, same season of life. Uh, and he's back tonight to talk about uh, the many arrests of Donald Trump, the death of liberal conservatism, and how radically charged the political climate is becoming and what opportunities could come as a result of uh, this growing uh, radicalization. But first, let's say hello to him. Brad, how are you? Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Always, Always to great back. to have you back on. Why don't we just jump into it, man? I what, got it right here. We're what, do, what, do you, what do you think about Donald Trump? What is... What is the end game for this? What is the purpose of it? And uh, how do you think this is going to play out in the election? I'm going to read, actually, from Brad himself right here and, and get him to answer your question, Keith, and comment on his own take. But this is it. What Brad writes at Occidental Descent, the former president and the leading candidate for the Republican nomination is about to be indicted and arrested by his rival for the third time in less than six months. So we see things are moving at a face faster than, uh, faster than ever before. If there's going to be a crack above the system, Brad, you're right, we could be closer to it now than at any point in certainly generations. And we really haven't seen anything like this before. I mean, you have to go back to Abraham Lincoln before you had a president that was locking up political or rivals. Or at least Woodrow Wilson. You know, he had Eugene Debs. Uh, yeah, uh, I brought him up. Arrested. But uh, and, and, and how the stakes have increased dramatically so for Trump. This isn't 2016 or even 2020. He's facing several lifetimes in prison. And here's what you write, Brad. Being indicted and arrested twice, likely two or three more times still to come. Biggest land war in Europe since World War II has broken out. It could spiral out of control at any moment. Normans have radicalized over the course of the last three years under Joe Biden than we could have ever done uh, and with our collective. Uh, more people expect a civil war now to happen in their lifetimes than ever before. The polarization is off the charts. Where are we going? <laughs> where are we're we? the beneficiaries, and we're basically just along for the ride. <laughs> you know, the, the left is driving the wagon. Yeah, I mean, I, I sat there the other day, and I was turning it over in my mind. It's like, you know, it's uh, for me at least, it's been like a just a slow, uh, slow-moving, calm, calm summer. But then I have to remind myself, you know, at the same time, um, and, e and even and even the news, uh, the news that it was kind of news where the Trump was arrested the third time, first time, then the second time. Now it's like, oh, he's being arrested again. We're getting kind of used to it, and I had to like, I sat there and I, like, I thought about it. And I'm like, well, you know, so things are getting like really extremely radical. I mean, stuff that hasn't happened since, I mean, since really the war between the states. I mean, you could like, um, we were, we were, were saying there, we could cite Eugene Jet Debs uh, being arrested by Wilson. But but stuff that is just really radical moves have, have become um, normal. And the uh, political climate is... So combustible right now, and I just worry about it. Well, it pretends a lot of different things. One thing that it pretends is the end of trial by jury. 
you know, which has worked so well for most of American history. Diversity has killed trial by jury. Well, Keith, to your point, my friend, this is something, and this is an amazing thing, and it's to Brad's point and to your point. Donald Trump said he didn't even appear in the E. Jean Carroll situation in New York because he said there's no way he could get a fair trial there. Now, this is a president of the United States saying there's no way I can get a fair trial in a diverse place like New York. Of course, that, that, that observation leads to the question why not secede? Why do we not well, we'll get, we, we, Let's get to that in just a moment. I don't want to get too far ahead. But, uh, but Brad, I mean, you have written about this extensively, and I, we cite you all the time in terms of how and why the radicalization has occurred. It is a totally different world than it was in 2015. 2015 is completely unrecognizable to the political landscape of 2023. Mm -hmm. And right below the surface is the simmering. I say the only thing keeping us together is a very tenuous econ uh, economy, this uh, consumerism. That's the only thing tying Americans, to uh, Americans together well, that, because they've got that, two halves that one side hates the other. And you write, Brad, that... Um, the system is destabilizing. It is losing its legitimacy. The courts, elections themselves, government, people are poised for a revolutionary change. Could you give us a little more reason as to why you believe that? Well, I mean, we're at, we're at, we're at the point where, you know, um, the people are losing faith in law enforcement, losing faith in the, in the, ju in the, in the justice system. I mean, and, and that's just like, you know, the, the latest thing, losing faith in the military as, as well. Yeah, good and point. And it's just, you know, it seems, it seems it seems to be it's not getting better, it's getting worse. The trend is all the trend is totally in the direction of, you know, destabilization. And and if you just project it a, a, a few years forward, I mean, I mean you can easily imagine right right now, you know, it it hasn't come to blows or anything because a lot of these people they think, you know, oh, well, you know, Trump will just Remember, remember, there were there were people who who believed even after Biden was inaugurated that Trump was still president, and they and they explained it away. But I mean, can you imagine like um, next year, like if he's actually he's won the Republican nomination, and he could he could possibly be president. He could he could in theory he could win that he could win win the White House and be sent to prison. I mean, can you imagine um, how destabilizing that yeah. would be? Well, that's third world banana republic of, you know, par excellence. But this is where we're at now. And this is where you inevitably reach. This is the terminus of a diverse society because it could only end this way. I mean, it was inevitable that it would end this way. It's going to end in an event. Yeah. Well, we'll get to that. You, you wrote something that was absolutely poignant today. And we'll get to that in just a second. But what's going to be the spark? Because I am telling you right now, you've got you've got many different nations comprised in two different blocks, the red block and the blue block, the red state and the blue state. They are diametrically opposed. There is no common ground whatsoever. This isn't the war between the states where you still had a racially homogenous nation. You had a lot of commonality. There's nothing that these two groups mm -hmm. have in common. They both want to see the other one done in for. And what's going to be the event? What's the scenario that brings upon this climax, well, you just mentioned one. You've got Blue State America arresting the president of Red State America. Uh, he's been arrested twice, about to be a third time. Uh, he's still going to get arrested in, in, in Georgia with Fonnie Willis. So you got uh, the uh, scenario where Trump is convicted and incarcerated as he runs for president. He's in prison before the 2024 election. You got uh, the, the, the situation that's being so mismanaged in the Ukraine and Russia, uh, perhaps a nuclear war, uh, an economic collapse. Uh, it, it, it's... It, 
it's 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 one of these things that's going to play itself out. This isn't the toothpaste isn't going to go back into the can, uh, and and uh, we can't say it's definitely going to happen in a few months. But you are writing that this could be the last peaceful summer we know. I I, I really do believe that. I mean, I, I, I get a you know a real sense. Let's skip this, this break. Is the calm before the storm. Let's skip this break. Um, and stick with Brad. All right. Yeah, go ahead, Brad. He wasn't talking to yeah. you. He's no, talking no, no, no. I, I, I was talking to the producer. Let's. I want to skip this commercial break because I don't want to end this conversation. I, I think we're onto something here. Uh, but you're, you're writing. You, you wrote recently that uh, this could be the the last peaceful summer. It feels like it's taking forever for the inevitable collapse to happen. And by the way, and we say this all the time: don't go out and hasten it, everybody. Don't go out and do something foolish and foolhardy. Don't advocate for no, violence. Like don't, I said, we're along for the ride, and quite frankly. The, the the wagon has gone down the road well, the system, further under the mismanagement of their power by the left and the right wing could ever have managed well this is to yeah I mean themselves. the system is going to do itself in based upon the sheer absurdity and and by the sheer force of gravity I mean it's gonna it's gonna it's gonna end in some inevitable yeah, people, conflict but go ahead people have been saying that for for forever for years for at least the yeah, last right. twenty years I've been around but. But it, it does feel different now. I mean, and, and what's different about it is, like you said, I mean, when you got the um, with the leading candidate, the president of one party, having his Justice Department arrest his opposition. Right? We're, 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 I mean, yeah, people have been. I mean, yeah, that was just what, what's in the cards now. Just wasn't there in the '90s. I don't think in the 2000s, or even like as late as 2015. I mean, a, a huge number of people still trusted the media. As late as 2015, it just seems incredible now. And um, even the justice system, the military. I mean, even even when Trump was president, that it, it, things seemed far more stable back then. But I mean, the way things are going, I mean, I, I really do think we could be on the brink. And well, I, go ahead, Keith. And then I'll, 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 I'll I'm, I'm normally cynical about these things. Yeah, I mean, I'm a husband and a father too. I don't want to see my kids go through hardship, but I, I I'm also a realist, Keith. Well. We don't need to overestimate our strength even in red state America. Last Sunday was a perfect case in point. We had Sam Bushman, you know, the head of our uh, radio uh, network here with his son-in-law. And we went to one restaurant, an old-fashioned meet-and-free place in Midtown Memphis. And later that uh, for the evening meal, we went to this place way out in the country outside of, uh, you know, Hernando, Mississippi, to a catfish place. And the difference was like night and day. In the first one in Memphis, this was supposedly a working-class crowd. There were plenty of women with blue hair, plenty of women with half of their head (laughs) shaved, plenty of women with tattoos on their calves and thighs and, you know, stuff like this and body piercings. Uh, it was, you know, it looked like San Francisco back in well, uh, 1967. Well, I mean, you understand there are going to be blue enclaves in red states. Yeah, but then on the other hand, you go out to the country, and it's like 1955. That's right. Know? Well, it's there's a, a huge uh, difference between rural yeah, and urban. Yeah, I mean, there's really just is. no doubt about it. And even, and you well, know, you've got those college towns down there in Alabama like Auburn and, uh, you know, Tuscaloosa. <laughs> and where I'm at right now. Yeah. Well, this is another thing. Speaking of Alabama, I don't want to get off track, but I do want to talk to you about the very interesting thing that Kay Ivey signed off on this week in reaction and in response to the Supreme Court ruling that they had to, I guess, make all the congressional districts skewed to where blacks would be. Oh, like, yeah. this, we'll, we'll get to that in a second. But but you, you, you touched on something a moment ago, Brad, that I think is important because it is true. 
it's just like every heavyweight boxing match. It's the fight of the century. Every fight is the fight of the century. And, 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 and since the 1970s, people have been saying this is as bad as it's going to get. It's about to collapse any minute. But it is. it, it really is different this yeah. time. And it is different this time because... Well, for so many reasons, but the polarization has never been to the extent it is now. Just the sheer demographics, uh, the, 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 the racial animosity. Uh, you write it right here. It's difficult. I'm reading now from Occidental Descent, as I do every show, ladies and gentlemen, at least in part, at least at some point. Reading the words of Brad Griffin here, it is difficult to exaggerate, you write, Brad, how radical and unprecedented a move this is. You're talking about the multiple arrests. And remember, he was impeached about five or six times before that of Donald Trump. Even though it feels like nothing mm -hmm. is happening, we are much further down the road to the inevitable crisis. It sometimes is frustrating because history doesn't happen on our preferred timetable, but this is it. I mean... And, and America's going to be no different. I mean, you had you had the Soviet Union. Nobody thought during their time there that it would ever end, and then it did. You had the Muslim occupation of Spain that, for hundreds no of years. That, that, I don't and think it's in the change. Soviet Union they had any idea that things were going to play themselves out as quickly as they did in the late 80s and early 90s. But, but the, you had look it, at it, this it, now. I mean, Spain. what we're feeling now, it's just inevitable. It's like you're in... Uh, Pompeii, and you're seeing Vesuvius, all the smoke. <laughs> well, the I'll, tell you, I'll give you an even better example. Uh, 2026 will be the 250-year anniversary of America, 1776 to 2026. Well, that's about as long as the Aztec Empire made it. And a couple of years before the Aztec Empire ended, the Roman Empire. I mean, they were on top. They were subjugating, enslaving, sacrificing every tribe within their grasp. And nobody, they I'm sure those unbeatable. other tribes would have ever thought they would have been. And then here comes Cortez with about 500 Spaniards that they took down an empire of millions. So it can change very uh, gradually and then all at once. Right, Brad? Yeah, I mean... It, like I said, it feels, you know, um, it, it feels calm. Well, actually, nothing here. All of a sudden, getting rid of it. Not, uh, like it's morning. It's about to start pouring. For here, it was calm a few minutes ago. It's a perfect analogy, right? But I mean, you, I, mean <laughs> you, I just tick the things, I just tick off the things in, in my head. Like, it's not Trump isn't facing just one of these cases. It's like at least, what, three now? Uh, possibly four or five. I, imagine he wins, like, two or three of them. That's still like, you know. He's still in jail like for the rest of his life if they have their way. They only have to win once. He has to win all and, of them. And, and, like and, 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 and another thing is, is like, uh, this, I mean, it seems boring because, you know, we've seen all this before, Trump versus Biden. But the stakes for Trump personally are radically different um, in this election as opposed to 2016 and 2020. He, he could be going to prison for the rest of his life. He could lose everything. They could really, like, and he, Trump himself has been radicalized by all the stuff that's happened. Yes, which yes, just wasn't I believe the case. that. I do believe that. Just wasn't well, the case in, in 2016. But, I mean, they're going to take it. I mean, they're actually, I think, going to do this. They're really winding up to find some way to prevent him from either taking – assuming he wins, even assuming he wins, you know, prevent him from taking office or take him out in the um, primary. I don't know what the exact uh, – schedule is with the, are these trials well, well they've scheduled but, all um, of these trials to be smack dab in the middle of the primaries yeah, but, Keith. and see brad the left is driving all of this they don't have to drive it like this if they can cheat in elections like they did in 2020 they could cheat again i was talking do it quietly but instead 
they are doing everything they can to rub to help the us. Out. It's actually helping us. They are doing the job that we could never do, and that is radicalizing our people oh, in the best sense of the word. I was talking with this about John Friend the other day. All they had to do in 2015 was just dismiss Trump as a blip on the radar and as an anomaly. But because every single thing Trump did, he could walk on water, he could have cured cancer, eradicated poverty, world peace, he was a racist, Nazi, anti-Semite, white supremacist, and people got numb to it. Every article ever written about Trump was the exact same stuff like but that. The, but the and, left but, felt uh, like they could not lose, and when they lost to Trump, they pushed the panic button and threw And all they had to gear. do, all they had to do, Keith and Brad and everyone listening, is sit on the ball and wait for the great placement to run its course but they overreacted and the left more than any of us and even trump himself i think he was an inadvertent savior in this regard brought about the radicalization of the base and now it is leading towards something and brad it's interesting i'm not talking to brad i'm reading brad's words to brad brad you're right trump's various arrests the deep state attempts to take out trump before the next election election the sweetheart deal between the doj and hunter biden uh, you conclude that it's just part of the process we have to go through that is destroying the legitimacy of the system in the eyes of a critical mass of people who are waking up to these issues. And the left is saying, we're doing this, we know it's wrong, and what the heck are you going to do about it? But, but, they are playing with fire, and you right here as well, Brad, we're at a stage now, or approaching a stage very nearly, and I don't think we're going to be able to sidestep it. I think it's going to come to a resolution and a blow one way or another where the confidence in the system has collapsed. Both sides see each other as mortal enemies in an existential conflict, like in the South around 1859. And you're right, Brad, and you're right. This was unthinkable even four years ago. We're sitting here now in the current year, 2023. Even yeah. into Trump's first term, we could have never thought it would be here now like it is. Well, I mean, even I mean, even as recently, I mean, think about it, James. Is re, is re, even when Biden was being inaugurated and we went through uh, January 6th and all that. Did, did anyone uh, did anyone at the time think that um, the Russia-Ukraine stuff would boil over and NATO and Russia would be essentially at war within like two, two within two years? Did, 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 was anyone that cynical? Anyone thought thought it would be that bad if uh, Biden won in 2020? And yet here the we are. in the closet is not the, Russia; it's China. You know the right. You know, and, and, that, and that's, that's, that's another. What about China? That's that. See, that's a whole other thing. Um, suppose it doesn't bowl over uh, domestically. Um, one of these bureaucrats, like Victoria Newland, is the one who comes foremost to mind. Could you know could easily set in motion a chain of events where this war uh, in Russia and Ukraine has been getting more and more serious. That hundreds of thousands of people have died in this. Um, I, I just think you. I just think you know. There's there's so many things are so combustible, just both internationally. And domestically, and there's so many different scenarios where I can see it just going up in flames. And the whole the whole Russia-Ukraine thing is another example. It could, it could something could blow over there, and we could really be in a hot war with Russia. I mean, people are not taking that seriously enough. And, and a hot especially, war with China. I mean, people think, and a hot war with China. China Taiwan, yeah. could go into Taiwan. That that shoe could, could drop. North Korea um, as a proxy to be the one that actually pushes the nuclear button. On something and sit yeah. back and say our hands are clean and whatnot. Well, we're talking I mean, about did, all of this as if it's a bad thing. I am more hopeful that there will be an event that will give us at least an opportunity. Now, I'm not sure that we'll we'll come out on top, but we will have a chance that we haven't had before and that did not appear anywhere even on the radar of just a few years ago. The, the question, 
The, the question, James and Keith and me, is this, do things ever get this serious, this dire, this bad, this close to the brink? And do they reach this point, then all of a sudden just simmer down and everyone's no, There has to happy, be a venting. There has to be some sort of a – yeah, a conflict, right. Right. That's the, that's, that's the way it's going. And it, we're going to be there in a few years, if not like next year. Is, and they can't lay this at our feet, though. See – Brad, no, they can't we're say just observers. that the we're just all this. We're, we're just innocent bystanders. Well, they'll say whatever they want to say. They'll blame it all on us. There's no doubt about that. They already are, and they have. Well, we're not, we're, you know, the uh, left I, is I, the provocateurs yeah. in all of this. Well, we know that, but that, it doesn't matter. I mean, the, the point is we need there to be a resolution. We need there to be a reckoning, and we need to have a chance. We haven't had a chance my whole lifetime. I think that we are rapidly heading towards some sort of an event, and it could play out in many different ways sooner rather than later. But, yeah, I think you're right, Brad. I don't think this whole thing just gets, you know, everybody just goes along to get along again. There, and the, the whole thing from the attacking of the president, I mean, this Banana Republic stuff, you're arresting this guy over and over and over again now. You had all the impeachments. It's all trumped up. You, you think Trump, even if he is, I don't think he is, but even if he was criminally corrupt, he's the only criminally corrupt guy up in Washington. It, it, I think Trump derangement syndrome is a real thing, and that's what we're seeing play out. Well, in any event, though, these people, have, uh, something is, these people are reckless, well, and, it's, and it's, it's evident in the foreign policy as well. Yeah, well, all right. We do have to take this as a hard break. We do have to take this one, but you can read all of this at OccidentalDescent.com. I am there every single day. Even when he's not posting, I'm there every day, waiting for him to post. <laughs> Griffin's our guest. Stay tuned, everybody. Like waiting for the uh, <laughs> Delphi to speak. Pursuing liberty. Using the Constitution as our guide. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA News. I'm Jerry Barmash. A new poll shows voters are not enthusiastic about the prospect of a 2024 matchup between President Biden and former President Trump. Less than half those surveyed by the Yahoo News YouGov poll said they favored neither candidate. Biden has a slight edge with 47 percent support. In the scorching landscapes of the U.S. Southwest, there has been a surge in burn cases due to the ongoing heat wave. Hospitals in Arizona and Nevada have seen an alarming increase in patients affected by first, second, and third-degree contact burns due to the prevailing extreme heat conditions. Dr. Robert Martinez of St. Rose Siena Hospital in Las Vegas telling 8 News Now. If you go to the pool and you step on the cements... Probably 140 degrees. Some of the incidents have resulted in fatalities, underscoring the severity of the situation. Recent temperature records have shown triple-digit readings in these regions with no end in sight. In Las Vegas, I'm John Schaefer. Police in Portland, Oregon are looking for a suspect who fled a hospital after firing shots, killing a security guard. Legacy Good Samaritan Medical Center was on lockdown following the Saturday afternoon shooting. Another person was injured. The cause of the incident is not known. A pandemic office in Washington is being headed to proactively address spreadable diseases. On Friday, officials announced Air Force Major General Paul Friedrichs will lead the Office of Pandemic Preparedness and Response beginning August 7th. Friedrichs previously coordinated all health services at the Pentagon, including the military's COVID-19 response. The new office will address potential public health outbreaks and threats from RSV, polio, influenza, MPOX, and more. I'm Ryan Daniels. American Brian Harmon is the one to beat. He holds a five-shot lead heading to Sunday's final round at the British Open. This is USA News. Now. 
Now your ideas don't have to wait. Now they have everything they need to come to life. Dell Technologies and Intel are creating technology that loves ideas, loves expanding your business, evolving your passions. We push what technology can do. So great ideas can happen right now. Find out how to bring your ideas to life at Dell.com. Welcome to now. Keeping your kids safe is a full-time job. Whether it's putting on outlet covers, installing child gates, or gluing down your priceless face. So Duracell made one part of childproofing simple. Our lithium coin batteries are the only ones coated in a non-toxic bitterant to help discourage swallowing. Your kid is safer, and you've got one less thing to worry about. Or glue down. Duracell. Engineered for more. Available in 2032, 2025, and 2016 sizes. Back with our friend Brad Griffin of OccidentalDescent.com. And Brad writes that we are approaching the end times of this uh, particular era. And they're not even being subtle about it. You write to Brad that uh, we are we're seeing separate fires everywhere, smoke everywhere. We seem to be sitting on top of a smoldering volcano, but it hasn't exploded yet. But you think that it will very soon. And you're not the only one, by the way. We're going to talk about Neil Howe and Peter Turchett in just a moment. But Well, it's like this, James. Let me just say this. The left is saying we're corrupt, we're crooked, and we're in charge. We know we're being unjust. What in the heck are you going to do about it? Well, Brad puts it even more... To the point in, in, in many ways, and he says, let us count the ways. Why are we rapidly approaching an event now that didn't exist 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago? People have been saying it's going to collapse. The end is near forever, right? But why now? Here's what Brad writes. It passes prologue. We're due for major upheaval, which tends to happen every 75 to 80 years, roughly, in American history, which is the span of time between the American Revolution and the war between the states and the Great Depression and World War II, on and on and on. The sheer radicalism of the social atmosphere and the paranoia and the deep distrust of government has reached a level now only seen a couple of times before in American history. You had bad uh, riots and bombings and assassinations in the late 60s, early 70s, but you still had uh, voters who were Merely of the World War II generation, they still trusted uh, the system in a way that just isn't true anymore. And with that greatest generation, the silent generation, they're now dead and dying. Uh, no one alive today has experienced a major war, Brad, you write, which makes such a thing far more likely to happen. And it goes on and on and on. War itself is cyclical. We're due for a major war, not a sideshow like the war on terror. People in charge of the Biden administration have already started a war, for God's sake. Lack of trust in the institutions, government, courts, media, you name it, uh, academia, churches. Uh, as recently as 2005, there was still a trust for the for the system and the, 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 the different long institutions. The long march through the institutions has been complete. But it's collapsed, and, and on and on and on. I mean, you write, you, write uh, you actually have about 20 bullet points here as to why the time may be near. I just read about the first five or six continue on in that thread brett oh i don't have it in front of me but you know i just i was i was thinking i was you know i it i was surprised to learn about the neil hogan that he had a new book out and i'd heard about the uh that peter Turchin had a new book out so that was kind of you know just in the news uh last week and i you know i, and I, I just sat there and i just 
spelled it out in, in, in front of me. It's like, you know, I don't – things feel, you know, extremely boring to me. You know, it's a slow summer. There's man, having, you know, many riots. Um, like, the thing going on this weekend is whether people are going to go see Barbie or Oppenheimer. It seems pretty calm. But it's not. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 like, I, I pointed out there, like, for, first of all, you, like, you have, like, a, the, the biggest land war in, in Europe since World War II, which is going on. That's going on in the background. And then you have the the Trump arrest going on in the background. So you can look at so you can look out you can if you if you you can look out and say oh the, there's fire over here there's one over here. Um, people like absolutely hate. I mean, Congress holds is holding hearings on the weaponization of government against conservatives. Right. That's kind of a political theater like sideshow. But just just the fact you know that sentiment is main, mainstream. People think the the, the this isn't like a fringe sentiment. This isn't like the militias in the in the in the nineties. There was a lot of that. Uh, we had Oklahoma City bombing, but like this, this these these views are, are soaked in and are accepted by most people on the right today. We saw that in that Michael Anton article um, today. Well, what and they're doing these views though, are though, what I was going to say Go is that the left basically overplayed their hand when they said that we're going to make sexual perversity a civil rights issue. I think the transgender issue has been a big overplay. And, well, see, yeah, the for thing sure. is, what they do, they are showing people. And critical race theory. It's now undeniable. The left is evil. The left intends to destroy you and your family. And people are being, mm -hmm. and, you know, for example, they talk about if we got into a two-front nuclear war with... Uh, China and Russia, we would surely, and North Korea, we would surely lose. But there are crazy neocons out there like Jake Sullivan and Victoria Newland and others who are telling people that we can win a two-front nuclear war. This is insanity. Who do they, you know? Who is believing this? Even on the left. Well, I mean, this is Brad. You're right about this. Not a lot of people because we're at a point now where huge. Huge. You're talking about tens of millions of the voting public, huge swaths of the population have totally lost confidence. And in, 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 in not just the media, which Trump did more to erode. And it was so necessary that it happened. The trust in the mm -hmm. media that this country had. Uh, but not just that, but the law enforcement, the military, the judicial system. Yeah. Alexis Dr. Himself. Strangelove is in control. You're right about uh, how, I mean, an economic collapse. A lot of people trying to get up the dollar now. We'll see where that goes. But uh, this is, um, I mean, basically, and I'm quoting you again here, Brad, the population has never been this prime for a major upheaval at any point in our lifetime or even the lifetime of our fathers, perhaps even our grandfathers. The people are taking social stability for granted. Uh, this isn't going to continue for a variety of reasons. The It wasn't ripe in, in the last several decades, but it, it, it is ripe now. And... We're building up to a climax. Am I am I right about that? Or you don't see any way this could be alleviated beyond some sort of a, a sorting? Sorting out. No, no I, I I really do think it's building to a climax, and I, re I really do think it's going to uh, bowl over. And the thing is, the thing is, the amazing thing about it is, I mean, if you look at the late '60s, the early '70s, it was just chaos with riots that dwarf anything we've seen today, bombings that you know. Um, Dwarf anything we see today in the 70s. Um, what was I was going to say there. Um, you had uh, the whole collapse of the Jim Crow system and stuff. 
And you have to ask yourself, well, why didn't it think it was going to bowl over? Why didn't it bowl over back then? And um, and it's just, just I'll it's tell you, I'll answer that. I'll answer that. People are comfortable people were too com- even back then. Well, and they were comfortable. They were still Believe comfortable. Were... I mean, this is it. I mean, you, people are going to have to suffer before they will do what they know they need well, to be well, doing. Yeah. And while they were still bringing home the bacon, while they were still making a living, and, and you can't say, well, yeah, you should go out and martyr yourself and and never be able to make a living for your children and you you know so on and so. What on. happened in the people late are going to have to suffer for it. But when this economic when the economy collapse, and I think this might be what it is, Brett. When the economy collapses here, you already have everybody primed mentally and physically and spiritually. When the economy collapses, that's when you're going to see uh, the the cards uh, be reshuffled. But yeah, look, I lived through the late '60s, early '70s. That was a sorting out within the left, within the Democratic Party. You had the hippies and the yippies at the Democratic National Convention in 68, but you also had Mayor Daley and the police force cracking heads. And even that, though that, the that white scene. people didn't like what was going on, the American dream was so alive and well. Everybody was getting a house. I mean, the 50s and the 60s, the boom. Oh, yeah, it was where the, in, in the That's late right. 60s, it was the new left taking over. They from didn't the like left. it, but they weren't going to risk to- They weren't going to totally risk everything. Now I think they will risk once the, the bottom falls well, out of the economy. They have nothing left because they're already there. The radical of- new left has totally taken over the Democratic Party, so there's no dissension within their ranks whatsoever. And they're going after the rest of America and telling them, we're going to convert you to our viewpoint or we're going to kill you. Yeah, well, and, and people are pushing back, and I think they're being backed far enough. And when they have to suffer a little bit, the cream will rise to the top. Brad, we'll give you the final word this segment before the next break. You write, the present trends, this is at OccidentalDescent.com, and the most recent posting, as a matter of fact, the present trends, you write, Brad, of cultural disintegration, polarization, and political instability cannot continue in the long term. Once it reaches a certain threshold, instability devolves into conflict. Conflict resolves polarization by vanquishing one side or the other and establishing a new normal. Is that the future? That's exactly the future. And, and, and I see it playing out within like next five, six years. And I think like, and, and I, and I, and you know, for different reasons, I just, I, I mean, I, I see a lot of people, not just Turchin or but um, a, lot, a lot of people, you know, there's a general consensus out there that we're headed for some kind of major conflict. And then that's, 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 that's going to be, that's what's going to resolve things. Either one side or the other is going to win and triumph and just suppress the other side. And that, that's, how, it so, How does it end positive, positively for the good guys? I mean, huh? is it a balkanization? I mean, secession has been talked about more now than at any point in our lifetimes, and by not just the usual suspect. Do you see a balkanization of America, and then we get a piece of it? Or how does it end favorably for us, in your opinion? Can it? Well, it ends favorribly for us if our side prevails in the conflict. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. Uh, I guess that's yeah. That's uh, one way. That's there is, there, there, yeah. There, there is, uh, and if it, if it doesn't, then uh, I guess we'll just be like our ancestors for after the war. But um, uh, yeah, like like I said, um, th- things don't ever like get this bad, and you know, it just all all of a sudden, you know, t- t- tapers down, and everybody's friends yeah, again, and. You remember, just, just, I mean, going back to 2001, even though I have a a very different opinion of the canon of 9-11, but there was a sort of a coming together after 9-11 where everybody was like, in America, they're all waving the federal flag. We now realize we were lied to Well, I mean, I get that, but I'm just saying, the difference between 20 years ago and now is like the difference between 20 centuries. That'll never happen again. 
that'll never happen again where everybody like starts waving the flag because of the no no it's the only future is in separation if we're going to have a salvation stay tuned everybody hey there tpc family this is james edwards your host of the political cesspool Folks, I want you to subscribe to the American Free Press, America's last real newspaper. Against all odds, AFP has and continues to publish a populist, independent print newspaper with an unparalleled track record. Founded by a dedicated group of experienced patriots, AFP pulls no punches and tackles the most controversial and pressing issues facing America from an America First perspective. I've worked with the American Free Press since even before the beginning of TPC. Now that's something. You can subscribe to the print edition by visiting AmericanFreePress.net today or simply pick up a handy digital edition subscription. However you do it, subscribe to the American Free Press, America's last real newspaper, by visiting AmericanFreePress.net or by calling 1-88-699-NEWS, AmericanFreePress.net. Matthew 24, 24 teaches us that the church is deceived today. Deceived Christians call themselves Judeo-Christians. Around 1900, Jews commissioned the Schofield Reference Bible, which transformed the Jews from Christian killers to the chosen people. Here's the truth. America is in the Bible. Revelation 21. Our form of government came down from heaven. Verse 3. The many Christian ministers at the Constitutional Convention sought God's will. The God-given rights in the Constitution were ordained by God. America is the new promised land for Christian Israel, and Christians are the true chosen people. True Israel is Christian. Listen to Jesus, quote, my sheep follow me, unquote, and, quote, you do not believe because you are not my sheep, unquote. John 10, 25 through 27. The beast has transformed America into the woman mystery Babylon, Revelation chapter 17. For the complete Bible study, write to Christian Knuckles, P.O. Box 210813, Royal Palm Beach, Florida, 33421. We're back with Brad Griffin, who has made his decision, ladies and gentlemen. He has made a hard decision on which side of the fence he's going to fall on. Is it going to be Barbie or Oppenheimer at 9 o'clock tonight, Brad? The Oppenheimer. (laughs) With the wife. She wanted to see it. Jewish America will be proud of your choice. No, no, no. I I love seeing movies. I love seeing movies like that. I want to go see it. And, and, uh, yeah, Brad, Brad mentioned his wife. We love Renee. Brad is one of the very rare few who was able to move in, uh, marry into movement royalty, the daughter of Gordon Baum, our longtime friend, and God rest his soul. I remember soul. when we first met him down there at uh, one of those uh, uh, C- Council of Conservative Citizen annual meetings down in Nashville. The CFCC had no uh, shortage of fingerprints on the cultivation of this program. Gordon, a longtime friend, regular guest, uh, his wife, Linda, still a friend and supporter. And Brad knocks down the scent as well. Absolutely. I mean, it's all in the family. And uh, Brad, speaking of that, it's got a growing family. Brad uh, about to welcome a new uh, child into his quiver. Keep, Keep writing for sure. We, 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 we wait for you like we wait for the Oracle at Delphi you know, <laughs> to speak on the issues of the day. <laughs> Well, he's certainly right about this. Is uh, we we have seen we're talking about the inevitable conflict, what may bring it on, but the fact that it will happen at some point in the very near future, and it's not like the people who said they were going to see it in the seventies. In the seventies, you still had an almost all white nation. I mean, it just I know it felt that way 
Uh, but it really is going to happen. It really is going to happen. It's a changing of the guard of the old left to the new left. Daily and his people could people could afford to buy a house, go to school. Yeah, all of uh, that. The affordability of everything, the affordability of everything, was just so radically different in the seventies. Well, that's it. I mean, people were too today. comfortable. Yeah, it was never going to happen. Then people were too comfortable. They're getting increasingly less comfortable now, and and they'll be you could even buy more a new car for two thousand three hundred dollars back then. I remember when I was in high school. How <laughs> can you imagine? But uh, in any event, the one good thing that has already happened as a result of uh, what's coming is the death of liberal conservatism. Now we talked about this last week with Sam Bushman. We went to Freedom Fest, which was a group of liberal liberal conservatives, as I identify them as libertarians. Being, they were libertarians, but they were also liberal. And you write about this, uh, about uh, freedom conservatism, um, that, uh, you know, our, our solutions are liberty <laughs> and the pursuit of happiness and the uh, and prosperity uh, and, and, and uh, strict adherence to the Constitution. All of this stuff, though, National Review, uh, the Weekly Standard. I mean, yeah. that's sort of conservatism that was the beat cop of conservatism as recently as the early 2000s. That's gone. It is. You either no hard believes it. You're hard left or hard right now. There's really no middle, and that's a good thing because these guys sucked. The paper, it, paper oh, yeah, constitution is not going to save you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, imagine believing in the paper constitution after watching your leading presidential candidate get arrested three times, and then the FBI tried to, you know, spent years trying to take him out. Uh, I mean, we've been over that a million times. We know how that all played out. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I was. I, I followed a writer named Damon Linker, and he had he had he had he had, he had uh, said something about that on his Substack. This freedom, this these Never Trump uh, people were having their freedom conservative um, manifesto. And it was just all these, you know, um, all these all you know old chestnuts and stuff and rhetoric from like the '80s and the '90s and. It, even even he said, you know, this is just so out of touch. This is just so so. It's just like no one, no one cares about your principles. They they want to uh, know about your judgment. And, it's like, um, like being in a time I saw machine. That, I linked to it. Right. No, it, was a, it was a good the piece. I mean, I'm reading from it right now. Yeah, I mean this this it's, it's really channeling these, these people... uh, 20, 2012 vibes. You know, that seems even that's not that's just a decade ago. Seems like a lifetime ago. Oh yeah, you're never going to get yeah, the, yeah, the, the whole thing. The Mitt Romney, the. Uh, John McCain, the, the Barack Obama, that that uh, the Ben Shapiro. I mean, you are people. either a pro-transgender, anti-white, anti-Christian zealot, or you're you're right wing now. And and there's not. I mean, I did see some of the people who are the remnant of this uh, principled conservatism, whatever you want to call it, and uh, it's it's a dying breed and and, and and in good riddance to that but you write brad for nearly and i met them at this conference last week this freedom fest we were there and we, we were poking around taking a look at it but you write uh, for nearly mind. two decades <laughs> for nearly well I, I actually met some i'll send you a picture of some of the people i talked to it's pretty interesting but for oh, nearly okay. two decades these people represented mainstream conservatism and we were the outsiders and the insurgents but today conservative liberalism and it's funny you mentioned that because i i said it on the show last week a few days before you printed this article or you posted this article on occidental descent i called them conservative liberals you write conservative liberalism was the hegemonic ideology of the right today it just sounds quaint nobody cares about these people or you know the, the avatar of it was is mike pence Mike Pence is, <laughs> is terrible. Uh, I mean, no, well, I, I, I got well, how, how can Indiana turn out both Dan Quayle and Mike Pence, well, this two is, dumbest white men ever? I got to say this. I mean, you know, we got our start with, again, the royal we. <laughs> Pat Buchanan. 
it would have never happened had it been with anybody else. Can you imagine if I said I got my start with Mike Pence and that's how I got I into got radio? My, my, got my start with Dan Quayle. Well, yeah, right, Dan Quayle. I got my start with uh, Jack Kemp or, or Rick Santorum. <laughs> it just doesn't have that sort of – I mean, Buchanan is more idolized today than he was in any of his presidential runs. You look – I mean, he was the one that what, Keith? Very quick, he, very he, quick, very he, quick. He was the guy that broke through the Iron Curtain of the left and called things by their proper names. As my wife's late grandfather said, he'd call a spade a dirty shovel. And we were talking about, we were reading Death of the West. Death uh, of the West, State of Emergency, and a Republic not an, uh, excuse me, a Death of the West, State of uh, Emergency. Suicide of a Superpower. Which, you know, two of the three he came on to talk about on TPC. Now, the SBLC, the ADOR, I call them white nationalist screeds. When the, he came on to promote them on this show, it was sort of like dumping a ton of TNT into a swimming pool of gasoline and seeing what happens. Yeah, I mean, no, nobody could believe that <laughs> there still, was, there was a truth an article teller. this week still talking we're, about an interview that Pat did on this show. Yeah, we, yeah, that's right. I showed that to you. I sent you that. That's uh, We're getting off track. We got it. We, but anyway, but anyway, uh, that it took people like Sam Francis and Pat Buchanan to basically blow up the paradigm and make people understand just how weak the supposed conservative establishment. Of the yeah, time right. That, that, that's it, and that's what Brad writes. What good are your principles when the you know what good is the Constitution? What good are principles? A sense of fair play. The left doesn't have that. If you have a sense of fair play against a, a group that doesn't have it. You're going to lose every time, and that's what conservatism has done since the day of R.L. Dabney. Uh, but, Brad, you're right. What good are your principles when the current president can simply have his political opponents arrested like in any third-world country? And that brings about what's the solution. You know, I did meet at this conference last week a lot of secessionist movements, people from secessionist movements. You, you know in Texas, Brad, that the state GOP last year in Houston at the uh, convention voted to yeah. uh, put in secession to the I'm platform. About it, yeah. You got, um, of course, what's going on in Idaho at a county government level. Well, this is serious stuff. I mean, the counties are voting to leave Oregon and, and join Idaho. This is different. But I met somebody at this Freedom Fest thing last week uh, from New Hampshire. Secession is polling at 20% in New Hampshire. And I asked him, well, what are the issues for secession in New Hampshire? He said, you know, the usual stuff, you know, out-of-control government, blah, blah, blah. A lot of stuff we would agree on. But it actually went to the state house floor in New Hampshire, and 13 people voted for it, 13 members of the state house in New Hampshire. So you got oh, a county level in and I didn't either until last week. Uh, yeah, uh, on a county level in Idaho. You got the Cal Exit movement in California. And you got on a state GOP level in Texas, the largest Republican party in the country. New Hampshire had actually went for a vote. Only 13 members of the state house voted for it. But, hey, that's a start. And so I think that is going to be the future. It's going to be you're going to see a balkanization of America one way or another. Hopefully, All this stuff peaceably. is in the air. And we'll, 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 exactly the scenarios we've been talking about. There's any number of things that could just, you know, push it over the edge. Um, you know, when people like finally, you know, you know, lose confidence. And even though it seems like a huge leap, even today, I mean, I can see people getting there. Like, especially. And the most incredible thing about it, though, uh, Brad, is this. The left is driving yeah. all this. It's like they're on a suicide mission. Let's get Brad to kill the themselves. Yeah, go on, Brad. No, I mean, oh, oh absolutely. Um, they're, they're absolutely completely um, the ones who are driving it. And even, even like, I mean, like, I don't even really care for Trump. I don't, <laughs> I don't really like Trump. But, like, they've, 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 they're, they're, they're turning him into, like, this, like, going after him the way they are. I mean, I mean, they're doing this part of it. It's on purpose. They think they have the best chance of beating Trump if they can get him hit with all these charges and strangle 
you know, make him into a loser for Independence so they can win. I guess if I think they can't that's get the him out any other doing. way, they're going to assassinate him. I think. Whatever it takes for our people to wake up. I mean, you know, none of us are going to live forever. Right? We got to play a role. But uh, hey, Brett, let me ask you this: uh, We got about two minutes remaining. Mm-hmm. I got to go the full three hours with you tonight, brother, because I mean, we always have so much to say. But I want to talk specifically about two Alabama issues, one minute each. Uh, number one, your thoughts on the Jeff Sessions kerfuffle, uh, not Jeff Sessions, but Tommy Tuberville, excuse me, Tommy Tuberville on white nationalists being American. And they got to walk oh, back yeah. a little bit, but not all the way. And then Kay Ivey, the, basically the Supreme Court said you got to redraw your congressional maps, and they said, okay, we will, and it's, it's well, still it's still it's just forty two percent black. They're just all right, all right, let's get Brad. He's the Alabamian. Go, Brad. You got yeah, two um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Re- real quick, I saw the Tuberville thing, and and the thing that was shocking was that he was actually defending white nationalists instead instead of just saying like they're the worst things ever. You know, throw them all on. I, I don't know. He kind of like you know moderated his comments later, but the, just the fact that it may it may be it may be wonder how bad the military recruitment situation is that he would you know say something like that. And number What's two, going on with these yeah, congressional the districts? Yeah, I'm wondering if that's going to affect. I have not looked at, into it. But I wonder if that's going to affect my district because you know I live in the black belt, and we already have uh, one majority black district that's carved out of Birmingham and uh, West Alabama around Selma. I'm wondering how they're going to the whole Republican exactly Party thing. though. The National how Republican the map. Party. Heard, it just gets down to this: it's uh, yeah. the National Republican Party has a very tenuous hold on the House. And if you vote, oh, yeah. create a majority black uh, d- uh, district, you're going to have a Democrat representing them. So, you know, the whole Republican Party is having to come to terms with the fact that they are the party of white people. But it was good that the Alabama state legislature basically said, we'll redraw them. And they redrew them in a way that was still beneficial to their electorate. I'll have to look at the exact map. So I'll have to look at the exact map. I have been wondering, like, how they're redrawing our... Are we losing a house seat this time, too? I, I think we might. Um, well, basically, it's not going to be there's not going to be equity unless every congressperson out of Alabama is black. I mean, that's, just, of course, what the media wants, oh, yeah, but even though it's a equity, vastly yeah. majority white state. Uh, but, hey, Brad, <laughs> we only scratched the surface tonight. I, I can't believe it. I mean, we're already out of time. But Look. you can follow his writing, and you should. Uh, the best, uh, he has no peer at OccidentalDescent.com Brad, enjoy Oppenheimer, I want to see a review because I, I want to go see it if I can ever get a babysitter which is a tough, oh, tough I'll, sledding I'll let you know how it works you'll have to Three do it hours. on Netflix <laughs> well, we know who wins the war though uh, yeah <laughs> but, uh, anyway well, I'll see y'all later <laughs> talk, talk hey, good night, Brad we'll be back with Jose Nino <laughs> good night is proud to announce the release of a new translation, Leon de Grel in Exile by Jose Luis Jerez Reisco. Readers of The Burning Souls will already be familiar with de Grel's life before and during the Second World War, his service on the Eastern Front, and his involuntary post-war exile in Franco, Spain. This new work tells the story of his life in exile in detail, replete with first-hand accounts from Spanish nationalists and friends of de Grel. During his time in Spain, de Grel did not wallow in sadness, 
despite the atrocities inflicted upon him and his family by the victorious Allied powers. He stayed remarkably active in European nationalist politics and left a lasting impression on both his personal friends and those from around the European world who took inspiration from his tenacious idealism. De Grel's enduring legacy in Spain is well-deserved. Such a legacy also deserves to be spread to both sides of the Atlantic and beyond. Antelope Hill is proud to be the first to bring this unparalleled biography to the English reader. Get Leon de Grel in exile today at antelopehillpublishing.com. You're listening to Resolution Radio, 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 ResolutionRDO.com. Herbs have been used by people since the dawn of time. When Rockefeller introduced allopathic medicine, many herbal remedies fell by the wayside as people put their faith in prescription pills and the world just gets sicker. Here at Heathen Herbs, we look to the past and to nature for answers. We offer tinctures, magnesium skin cream, lip balm, tooth powder, colloidal silver throat spray, and more. Check us out at heathenherbs.com. You're listening to the Political Cesspool on ResolutionRDO.com. Call and listen now at 607-203-5423. That's 607-203-5423. Thanks for listening to Project Schoolyard Volume 2. For more information about the project, as well as lyric to the songs on this CD, please visit www.tightrope.cc. You can also find jokes, news articles, a photo gallery, free CD downloads, and a secure online shopping cart. We carry a full line of flags, t-shirts, CDs, books, stickers, and other products of interest to racially conscious white people. Please visit www.tightrope.cc. You're listening to the Liberty News Radio Network, and this is the Political Cesspool. The Political Cesspool, known across the South and worldwide as the South's foremost populist conservative radio program. And here to guide you through the murky waters of the political cesspool is your host, James Edwards. Suck punch somebody on a sidewalk Carjacking old lady at a red light Pull a gun on the owner of a liquor store You think it's cool, act a fool if you like Cuss out a cop, spit in his face
Ladies and gentlemen, that song right there, Try That in a Small Town by Country Music Number one with a bullet. Jason Aldean is the latest front in the culture war. And here to help us break it down is columnist Jose Nino of Big League Politics. And Big League Politics is a big league deal. Uh, He is a prolific writer there. And we have it linked at the top of our promotional uh, blog entry for tonight's broadcast at thepoliticalaccessible.org. You can follow the writings of Jose Nino uh, there at Big League Politics. He's going to be talking with us uh, for the next couple of segments about the growing backlash against wokeism and the hysterical reaction to Jason Aldean's latest hit, Try That in a Small Town. But first, let's say hello. Hazo, Jose, welcome back. How are you tonight, my friend? I am doing great. Thank you so much for having me back on the show, James and Keith. It's always a pleasure to chat with you about the hottest political developments in U.S. politics. Well, you have an uncanny knack, my friend, for breaking it down in a way that uh, really is unrivaled. And uh, this is your fourth appearance on the show. You first uh, made your debut back in uh, August of 2022, so uh, actually less than a year ago as – the clock ticks four times but, in a year is pretty yeah, well, good. That's not bad. I mean, well, and for good reason. Well, he's got a lot to say and he says it well, and he makes uh, the points uh, for the dissident uh, majority uh, in a, in a way that helps us win. Well, before we get into the Jason Aldean media manufactured controversy, Jose, let's first talk about the overall topic, uh, the broader topic of Americans growing tired of cultural leftism. Uh, the, growing backlash against wokeism you sat down with a friend of mine the z-man uh, on your podcast uh, recently to talk about uh, this at large uh, will sanity be restored uh, what did you and the z-man what conclusion is the pot uh, top of the pot going to blow off <laughs> what did you and the z-man determine well we started talking about how um there are certain limits to what the left can get away with because transgenderism seems to be like a fine line that even many apathetic people and other people that are not as into politics will get really mad about. And I would even venture to say some moderate Democrats too would probably be uncomfortable with this idea of um, having like the state um, messing with ch- uh, with children or just like any assortment of nefarious private actors doing that because this goes back to like a biological level as like a species like if you mess with like people's children like you are literally not only like promoting degeneracy at a mass scale you are like ultimately laying the groundwork for like the extinction of your race your species or whatever so we, there's like a self-preservation instinct that's kicking in here that's what Z-Man talked about and there, um, I think too that um, because of the uh, the dissident right and other like paleoconservative movements and any type of like dissident right wing movement, um, how much we've grown over the years, it's been able to become such a force that now even normie conservatives are beginning to mount some decent amount of like opposition to cultural leftism, and this is like a multi decade process, and it's. Be slowly beginning to bear fruit, and I that's just goes to show that why we should not like give up because eventually there will be a moment where people will look for leadership and the most coherent and like principled people that are well organized like like um like the dissident right 
will will be the groups that people will turn to in like times of chaos, and that's why we shouldn't just uh, throw in the towel when it appears that we're like losing certain fights. Well, Jose, I think you're absolutely right in that the left has gone a bridge too far with their efforts now to make sexual perversity a civil rights issue or an equivalent of the civil rights movement. Uh, and what we need to understand is we haven't done a thing to bring this on. This is not, we can't take credit for this. This is the left, uh, you know, basically strapped like kamikazes into their uh, flying bombs and going, you know, going after us. This is crazy. Anybody with any, uh, a modicum of common sense would say that this is a loser issue. Don't take it. But the left seems intent upon showing us that we are corrupt, we are depraved, we are evil, but we're in charge, and we can make you accept anything that we want you to accept. And this is where, you know, that's why our movement is growing. Our movement is growing because of the left overplaying their hand. Well, this is another thing, Keith, that Jose and the Z-Man, who, if you don't know the Z-Man, and uh, I'm I'm a friend of his, and we, (laughs) we need to get him on this show uh, and we will, uh, but he he writes about it uh, with uh, very few peers himself, uh, all of the issues that we are concerned with. But nevertheless, when you have Jose Nino and the Z-Man teaming up, you got something that you want to you want to hear. And uh, we heard it. <laughs> I wanted to get Jose on to talk about it. But you're talking about the backlash against wokeism. Uh, these boycotts. Uh, it's obviously the situation with, with Bud Light. And I, I love seeing Fox News referring to Dylan Mulvaney as a he, which, of course, he is, uh, which is uh, bold yeah. even by their standards. Radical. But, uh, the, the, yeah, I mean, you know, can you imagine calling a biological male a male and, instead of uh, the, the go, yeah. falling into the big pretend emperor has no clothes type of situation they want us to go? But between that boycott and then we're going to get into this in the next segment i don't want to tease it too much or go too far ahead but between the dylan uh, the uh, dylan mulvaney situation and how much market share bud light has lost i mean billions of dollars uh in defeat target and all these a a lot of them yeah and then uh, the situation with jason aldean they tried to uh, do him in for this new song and now he's number one with the bullet uh it seems as though uh conservatives are in the middle of their very own battle of the bulls right now against all odds we are making incursions and do you think that's something that can be sustained jose yeah there is like clearly um an overstepping of like boundaries that the left has made and they're definitely miscalculating that's going to naturally provoke a reaction i think that there is a growing movement on the right to uh, people starting to question a lot of conservative inks like priors and the way they've politically behaved in previous decades. And they're just starting to like not really care about playing by the rules of decency. And they're also starting to become more organized efficiently on a collective level. So that helps a lot. Um, whether this will be sustained, it comes down to the leadership too, because if we have the same gatekeepers in charge, or like a new generation of gatekeepers, it's going to kill the movement. It's going to revert back to the normal. But if we do see like a quote-unquote regime change in terms of the leadership that's in charge of the right, I think yes. we could see some more progress. That's a great point we, because you had the Tea Party. Glenn Beck, Sarah Palin, that's not what we were looking for. We're looking for something the better. The Honorable Free South is a collection of 12 essays written by Southern National Talk. 
The book explores topics such as what is the Southern nation, what is Southern nationalism, and how can we achieve a free and independent Dixie. The Honorable Cause answers questions on our own terms. The book invites readers to understand for themselves why a free and independent Dixie is both preferable and possible. The book pulls in some of the biggest producers of pro-South content, including James Edwards, the host and creator of The Political Cesspool, and Wilson Smith, author of Charlottesville Untold, Arkansas congressional candidate and activist Neil Kumar, host and creator of the Dissident Mama podcast, Rebecca Dillingham, author of A Walk in the Park, My Charlottesville Story, Identity Dixie's Patrick Martin, and yours truly, Michael Hill, founder and president of the League of the South, as well as several other authors. The Honorable Cause is available now at Amazon.com. Why does the left lie constantly? Because they get spiritual power from lying. The lies come from Satan, the father of lies. John 8, 44. Here's how the political lying process works. Satan provides the beast with a lie. Then the more they use the lie, the more spiritual power they get. Look, the media is a lie multiplier, and this multiplication gives more evil, spiritual power to the beast. And that can overwhelm and even deceive the body of Christ, especially when the body is being disobedient to the head. The churches today are incorporated, so they're subordinate to human government. They obey the beast and do nothing to restore our national relationship with God. And the government shall be on his shoulders, Isaiah 9, 6. That verse is not for the present-day church. Rather, it is for the end-time church, the body of the Lion of Judah, a message from Christ Kingdom Ministries. song right there is the biggest news story in the world right now. That is the front where the latest battle in the Cold War is being fought. And that is something. And the, and the left is attacking it with their same old playbook. This is racist. This is homophobic. This is whatever. And guess what? You know, five years ago, you were the one that said this to me. You said that Jason Aldean or some uh, country music star would be up here following all of themselves, apologizing and making common calls with the left. Now Jason Aldean is basically shooting them the finger, and he's gone all the way to number one. It is the it. most listened to, most downloaded. It is the number one song in the country right now, and that is what Jose Nino is back with us to talk about. But, Jose, before we continue the conversation, ladies and gentlemen, this uh, guest that we have on right now making his fourth appearance on the show, he has become a fast friend. He breaks down issues succinctly and to the point and with precision accuracy, and we want you to know how you can. As El Nino is to the weather, Jose Nino <laughs> is to the news. <laughs> Very good, Keith. Uh, hey, you got to use that one, Jose. You got to use <laughs> that you. one. But uh, Keith, 
<laughs> Always quick uh, on the draw. <laughs> uh, but in between your appearances here on TPC, Jose, how can people follow your written and uh, spoken word? Yes, you can follow me on Twitter at Jose Al Nino and then Substack El Nino Speaks. Um, well, my, Jose, my Substack is Jose Nino Unfiltered, which you can find at josbcf.substack.com. You can find my podcast, El Nino Speaks, on my Substack and also on iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. All right, and then, of course, at uh, Big League Politics uh, as well, and we've got that linked over at the top of the blog tonight, if you're listening live at thepoliticalcesspool.org. So Jose's all over the place, and he's doing important work, and he breaks it down in a way that helps us because he does it with truth and with clarity, and we need able and capable spokesmen. Now, uh, Jose, in addition to that, patriotic Hispanic American who defends the historic American nation from the constant barrage of blood libel coming from the anti-white left. It's a Venezuelan-born journalist, friend of ours, friend of yours, big league politics, and you can follow him. Anyway, uh, Jose, this song, Jason Aldean, I mean, this is, as I say again, as I said a moment ago, this is the latest front that has opened up the culture war. This is where the battle's being fought right now. Try that in a small town. Uh, rural versus urban. But, uh, I mean, this, this yeah. is the biggest song in the world right now because, not in spite of, but because the left tried to shut it down. I mean, this goes back to Bud Light taking the big loss. Uh, Jason Aldean is skyrocketing. He was already a country music superstar. This wasn't like some obscure guy. He had like, you know, one uh, song that charted in the top 100. I mean, he was a big country music star, but never bigger than now. And because the left are trying to cancel him, 10 years ago, he would have been done for. Now it is to his benefit that they're coming after him. Grab the bull by the horn. Calling him a racist, calling him they're saying he is glorifying lynching because he writes this song which is in in, in and uses uh, as a backdrop the Maury County. Well, courthouse. hold on, we'll get to that. But it's an anti it's a song about anti violence. They're saying he's glorifying lynching. The left uh doing what it does, it has no sense of pushing the brakes, it has no sense of awareness. Well, see, the thing is, he had that old Southern typical count, uh, courthouse square courthouse in the background, like something out of To Kill a Mockingbird. And they, or A Time to Kill. That's right. All of that type of stuff. Now, didn't but you go to school with John hand, Grisham? Did you go to school with John Grisham? I didn't go to school with him, but I practiced law in the same community with him. Who was smarter? Me. <laughs> <laughs> but what, what he did... What he did, he said. His, All right, we've got to get back to Jose. We, we're yeah, we're oh, indulging oh, now. Yeah, well, you brought it up, so I got to finish <laughs> it off. Here's what it was. His first book so, was called A Time to Kill, supposedly based upon a true story. Well, it was based on a true story, but he reversed the races. Yeah, that's right. The, uh, the, the, the rapist was a black guy, and the rapee, I guess, was right. uh, two young right. white we're, teenage we're, girls. We're off, we're off And, of course, he now. did it the other way, and, of course, the publishing industry in New York loved it, and that's basically why he's a made man now. All right, but in any event, uh, try that in a small town. Jason Aldean, you, you've heard the background. Jose, what is going on here? Break it down as only you can. Yeah, I, you're correct about what you said, James, that this is like another front in the culture war because if you look at country music and like the country music scene, it is in many respects, despite the fact there has been a notable amount of creeping leftism in that scene. It is still like an implicit sure. white community. And, and when you have a country star, a well-established country star that starts talking about like basic common sense 
stuff about defending your town from just like these hordes of like leftist marauders and whatnot. Um, it just makes these people really angry. And this is like a, a view, uh, Aldine's like co- lyrics are resonate with tons of people in the U.S. that are sick and tired of this stuff. And it's natural that it's going to piss off the, the left. But um, to me, I, I think to me, what Aldine is saying is nothing like radical whatsoever. It's what like most, um, I'd say like your average like Republican conservative voter believes in that like, yeah, you, you should have like the right to protect your town from like melanin enhanced marauders and um these total like degenerates that destroy <laughs> have been destroying um cities like over the past like few years and these like state sponsored Antifa and Black Lives Matter riots. So uh, I, I think like what he what Aldine was saying is actually like pretty tame. But in this clown world political state we live in, this kind of stuff is seen as radical. But yeah, I do see I do think that um that um, the left is going to try to respond with like more um, trying to like co-opt more like PC um, country stars and try to like insert more leftism and prop up some other country stars that um, have more politically inco- uh, more politically correct content. But I do uh, think d- that Taylor Swift. Message- yeah, I mean Taylor Swift started off as such a yeah. such a, a country. You know, I, her early stuff was entirely agreeable, and now she's this this leftist. Well, I saw something that I want to uh, bounce off of Jose very quickly. If you look at this actual uh, music video, you see Aldine wearing a straw cowboy hat. Now, who wears straw cowboy hats? One rednecks and two Mexican or Hispanic guys. And, you know? <laughs> but he also uh, uses real-time news footage from the riots of 2020, which he says he was no fan of. So, I mean, there's an implicit level of pro-whiteness there, I think. I mean, to be sure, and the media is right to pick up on that. But the fact that here's – the, here's the takeaway, Jose. The takeaway is five years ago. As recently as five years ago, this would have been the end of his career. Now it is a boon to his career. How did that happen? Things have changed. Um, I think that I, I think that there's a much more um, from what I've seen. This is my based on my experience. I go to like country bars every now and then, and some country related events. Is that people in that in in that scene, like the average country music listener, they are becoming a lot more polarized. And if they hear somebody that speaks their language, their political language, you're going to back that up like much more fervently. I think you're going to see in the country music scene, especially among like average listeners, uh, a much more right wing politicized viewer base, uh, listener base that it's not going to take this kind of crap any longer. Exactly. And it's going to back any, any singer like Aldine that starts talking like that because the country music scene, I will say this, it's one of like the least like dysgenic, type of music scenes you'll see in the U.S. because you've got, like, rap and stuff like that. It looks like a Moss Eisley cantina when you go to, like, any type of function that, like, features, like, rap or pop music these days. So, like, really just hideous creatures you see there. But when you go to, like, normal America where there's, like, country music or, like, rock music genres, well, some at least, um, you're going to see, you know, much more normal, common sense type of, of American Let me ask you this, Jose. How does the, Hispanic, how does the Hispanic community fall down on this issue and we've talked to you about this this is an interesting question because i mean they started to break a little more for trump in the last election so yeah good question keith jose your answer with about a minute remaining so i tend to think that the more americanized hispanics that have lived here for multiple generations like the ones that have lived here like since like the conquistadors settled the american southwest 
those people may start um i think we'll definitely shift towards republicans because they're like effectively whites now they're like politically and culturally white other hispanics like recent arrivals not so optimistic to be honest and some of like their immediate progeny and especially the 19 post 1965 wave i think that it's going to be a generational split the mexicans that have been living uh, hispanics that have been living here for centuries more likely to break towards implicit white movements and whatnot we will continue this uh, conversation we'll continue to talk about this topic uh, but uh, unfortunately and sadly without jose nino uh, who has to run right now but uh, we'll continue it el nino speaks at big league politics follow him support him jose always great to talk to you thank you so much for being a friend of the program Your daily Liberty Newswire. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA News. I'm Jerry Barnash. Unbearable heat for millions across the U.S., and forecasters say it won't end in the coming week. Over 2,000 records have been broken across the southern USA from California to Florida since the first heat advisories were posted in early June. And the heat wave and warming of fresh bodies of water has increased the prevalence of a brain-eating amoeba. A two-year-old Nevada boy died this week from the Glaria Fowlery infection, also known as a brain-eating amoeba. The cause of death confirmed by state health officials and the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. The boy, who was from Lincoln County, which is north of Las Vegas, may have been exposed at Ash Springs, a natural hot spring in the area. The amoeba enters through the nose and travels to the brain. It's found in warm, fresh water like lakes, rivers, and springs. Authorities are warning against jumping or diving into warm bodies of fresh water, especially during the summer months amid the ongoing heat wave in the United States. In Las Vegas, I'm John Schaefer. Many Americans think another federal indictment could hamper former President Trump's chances in the 2024 election. In the Harvard Caps Harris poll, 57% of those surveyed think federal charges related to the January 6th riot at the Capitol and attempts to overthrow the 2020 election would hurt Trump at the ballot box. Trader Joe's is issuing a nationwide recall of two of its cookie products that may contain rocks. One of the products is almond windmill cookies with a sell-by date between October 19th and October 21st of this year. The other is dark chocolate chunk almond cookies with a sell-by date between October 17th and October 21st. Trader Joe says all potentially affected products have been pulled from the shelves and destroyed. Customers are encouraged to either toss them or return them to Trader Joe's for a full refund. Trader Joe's did not indicate how rocks got into the products. This is USA News. Keeping your kids safe is a full-time job. Whether it's putting on outlet covers, installing child gates, or gluing down your priceless face. So Duracell made one part of childproofing simple. Our lithium coin batteries are the only ones coated in a non-toxic bitterant to help discourage swallowing. Your kid is safer, and you've got one less thing to worry about. Or glue down. Duracell. Engineered for more. Available in 2032, 2025, and 2016 sizes. The extracurricular activities, the traffic, the nightly homework, the traffic, the finding time to eat dinner together as a family, the traffic. Back to school can be stressful. Thanks to Ziploc, meal prep doesn't have to be. New Ziploc bags with Stay Open Design have a patented stand-up bottom that helps keep the bag upright and a top crease that folds and holds for easy filling, unlocking a second set of hands in the kitchen. 
If only it unlocked a second set of lanes. New Ziploc brand freezer and storage bags with stay open design from SC Johnson, a family company. She's one of those girls who seems to come in the spring. One look in her eyes and you'll forget everything you had waiting to say. And I saw her today. Yeah. A younger girl keeps rolling across my mind. No matter how much I try, I can't seem to live a Now, thankfully that we have uh, the three of our featured guests already worked through tonight, we can devolve into a battle of the bands, right? Now, Keith offers that one, A Younger Girl by the Quitters. Now, John Sebastian wrote it of the Loving Spoonful. And we but, love the Loving Spoonful. But, we don't like what they stood for, but we like their music. And we can do that because we have brains that work. We can discern, hey, I like the music. I don't like what they believe in. Necessarily. Well, the Loving Spoonful were part of the folk music era that of the mid to late sixties that transitioned into the uh, that was rock. that was post doo wop, yeah. Uh, but they were basically that they were on the inside track. On the other hand, the Critters were just a garage band, a bunch of suburban kids that got together and decided they wanted to form a band, and they had three big hits. Younger Girl, which, like you said, was a cover of a John Sebastian uh, song, but I submit it's much superior to John Sebastian's acoustic guitar version. And then Mr. Dyingly Sad, which was to a bossa nova beat. That was very unusual. And then a third one called Don't Let the Rain Fall Down on Me. Check all of those out, and I think you will understand why I'm a fan of the Critters. Let me ask you this. John Sebastian tied into the Critters. But most famously with the Love and Spoonful, what is the best Love and Spoonful song? Mine is, Did You Ever Have to Make Up Your Mind? Mm. Ah, that's an interesting choice. Because Summer in the City, I think, is probably their biggest hit. We play that every every that, year when that, it gets really hot. But but Nashville Cats. No, I, no. Daydream and Do You Believe in Magic. Well, they're two biggest, right. Daydream. And then he had things like what Darling. What a day for a daydream. And remember, Darling, be home soon. My, listen, I was about to say that. I, I'm ashamed. I'm sorry that you said that before I could say something. My dad loves that song. My dad, who was here in the studio last week, and my dad, who listens to every show, loves Darling, be home soon. I was driving home from a beach trip a few years ago with dad and you know, my whole family and my parents. And I think he listened to Darling Be Home soon for about 200 miles, like on repeat. <laughs> yeah, look, it's a it's a great song. And there's Darling two groups, the Critters soon. and the Loving Spoonful. The Loving Spoonful were uh, out of Greenwich Village in New York and Manhattan. Which we don't, you know, we're not about that. But we're about good music, are we but not? But then on the other hand, the Critters were prototypical Jersey boys. Okay, now, from across the river. Now we're getting into something. That yeah, I that, now <laughs> Jersey boys is the name of... What uh, groups Broadway music? <laughs> the Four Seasons. The Four Seasons. Uh, the, the the people at the pinnacle.
pinnacle of modern music, according to James. So well, hey, listen, they, they how many hundreds of millions of records do you have to sell before you can be considered in that company? But what about you didn't have to be so nice? Oh, that was a great one. Yeah, you didn't have to be so nice. And did you ever have to make ah, up your mind? No, the loving spoonful. All right. And All right. Well, anyway, let's get back to the song at hand, which is Jason Aldean's Try That in the Small Town. So you heard about half of the song between the last two segments with Jose Nino. And, of course, the, it's an anti-violent song. It's saying, like, all of the violence. An anti-left song is basically Well, is. he uses footage of the actual. Black Lives Matter stuff. Riots in 2020, the George Floyd riots, which were, of course, inflicted upon us by mostly black lives, peaceful protests is a black lives matter and antifa say. and so the the whole media is saying that this is a racist not only is it not an anti-violent song which is what it's about it's like all that stuff that goes on in the city try that in a small town where we have close-knit communities we look out for one another it's not gonna fly here and he's right because there's a huge difference between earl and and, and, and the left uh, comes in urban and, and rural but 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 now they're saying it not only is it racist it is pro-lynching it is a pro-lynching song that he say that Black Lives Matter should not well, come to a small town. they have to trot out lynching, you know you've got them by the short hair. Okay? <laughs> that is what, that's the best thing they could say. We know that we have struck a nerve with the left. Thank you very much, left. That's the highest recommendation you could give to anyone who might want to buy a copy But here's key. Here's key is that this is now the number one song in the world. Number one song in the world, not only did it not finish his career, as it would have done 10 years ago. When I wrote Racism, Schmacism, a controversy like this, he would have been done for. Now, country music television did sort of cancel him, and it only propelled him into the number. This is the number one song in streaming, the number one song on YouTube. It's the number one song, period. Well, and, and, and a lot of other country music stars are, are siding behind him now. This would have never happened a few years ago. This goes back to what we're talking about with Brad and Jose. And now it's the number one song because of the controversy. This is what I say. It's like our battle of the bulge here. Not only is uh, Bud Light taking a big L for trotting out this transgender uh, weirdo as a spokesperson. Dylan Mulvaney. And now you've got this. Uh, the the, uh, uh, the allegation that he is a racist and pro-lynching would have ruined him 10 years ago. Now it propels him to the top spot in music well, in the Well, as Buffalo world. Sing Springfield said, battle lines are being drawn. Okay, Nobody's that's what's right if everybody's wrong. That's it. And see, this is, you know, who is in charge of country music today? The same Jewish hierarchy that's in charge of other music and country genres. music television dropped jason aldean at the first hint of controversy but then all of these other and, and i'm talking about the very biggest of country music stars rallied behind him and propelled him to uh, a level of celebrity but, but that there, he didn't there, even it, it, it have even though he was a very big but celebrity the silence is this. deafening from taylor swift you got all of this footage though and it shows well, yes, it is implicitly white. So what? It is an implicitly white anthem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Surely, sure it is. He's so using is country the, music. Are you going to basically try to kill your base's uh, support for your product the way that Anheuser Busch did with the uh, you know Bud Light commercials, the way that Disney has done, the way that Target has done? All of these people basically have shot the bird at white America. And guess what? White America is fighting back, and basically Anheuser-Busch is dropping off the chart. It's a terrible investment now. Same thing for Target, same thing for Disney. Look, they, uh, you know, they seem to have lost their minds. At least they, 
they've shown what we've said about Hollywood all along is that they have principles and values that are more important than making money. Don't say that they do things like Dylan Mulvaney because they're trying to make money. No, they aren't. They're trying to transform the society. And the society of white people that think right, that have Christian values, they're not buying into it. I mean, this is it. You wouldn't have seen this a few years ago, Keith. Not only did Jason Aldean not relent, not only did he not apologize, he doubled down. His wife doubled down. He said, we were not going to apologize for this. There's nothing to his wife. When there's nothing to apologize for. Country music celebrities rallying behind him, propelling him to number one. It went from the kiss of death assuredly 10 years ago. You're called a racist 10 years ago. In You're done. Touch. Now he is minted in a way that even with all of his celebrity, he wasn't before. This is a big thing. This is a big deal. It has given a big boost to his career. And it is implicitly white. And they say, well, he chose this courthouse because at some point uh, a, a black guy was missing treated there black guy was lynched there well, supposedly see, southern courthouse that symbol of oppression and evil in the eyes of the left you know if you don't believe me just get a copy of to kill a mockingbird and see how the south is portrayed there well guess what we portray the south a different way we portray the south as the repository of traditional american values but the left would have done this the media would have done this if he'd have had if he'd have filmed the music video in kalamazoo that have said, well, he picked that place because 427 miles from here, a Klansman took a leak uh, in, in 1927. <laughs> you know, they would have done that. I mean, this is what they do, and, and this is it. Nobody cares anymore. Nobody cares anymore. No, actually, it is it? to his benefit that they have attacked him now. It Not only it would have ruined him five years ago, ten years ago, now he is the biggest name in music well, because do, of it. People do care what the left says. They listen to the left, and they say, if the left is against it, we know he, that the guy that they're attacking is on the right side. This is what it is. People now instinctively recoil from the left. And this ties into what Brad Griffin and Jose Nino were saying how? That basically what is happening is that America is transforming itself. We're basically bringing things. To, there's a head on the boil now. Uh, it's going to pop any time because... No longer are conservatives and conservatively-minded people cowering before the power of the left. Basically, they're standing up to the left. They're ready to fight. This is it. You know, basically, we're not going to concede another inch in the culture war. You know, this is where the line is drawn, and we are going to continue to support ourselves. And we don't give two hoots in hell what the left And it thinks. feeds into what Brad Griffin was talking about, that we are hurtling towards an event of some sort that will sort things out one yeah, way or another. It's obvious that our ancestors are right. There are two Americas, at the very least. At maybe the very more least. Yeah. <laughs> at the very least, we're not going to continue as we are now. And thank God for that. We'll be back with the final segment of a busy night tonight with three great guests. Stay tuned. Hey there, TPC family. This is James Edwards, your host of The Political Cesspool. Folks, I want you to subscribe to the American Free Press, America's last real newspaper. Against all odds, AFP has and continues to publish a populist, independent print newspaper with an unparalleled track record. Founded by a dedicated group of experienced patriots, AFP pulls no punches and tackles the most controversial and pressing issues facing America from an America First perspective. I've worked with the American Free Press since even before the beginning of TPC. Now that's something. 
You can subscribe to the print edition by visiting AmericanFreePress.net today or simply pick up a handy digital edition subscription. However you do it, subscribe to the American Free Press, America's last real newspaper, by visiting AmericanFreePress.net or by calling 1-88-699-NEWS, AmericanFreePress.net. Introducing PrepStartsNow.com, your ultimate guide to readiness and peace of mind. We offer practical preparedness tools, training, and education to take your family's household readiness to the next level. Browse the prep shop for essential products, check out our planning guides, and stay informed with our prep blog. Visit PrepStartsNow.com and subscribe to our emails for exclusive offers, new products, and future events. Remember, preparedness begins with PrepStartsNow.com. Former Sheriff Richard Mack recounts in his book the proper role of law enforcement, how he came to realize while working as a beat cop how wrong the all-too-common orientation of police officers is when they think of their job as being to write tickets and arrest people. Richard Mack tells of his personal transformation from by-the-number cop to constitution-conscious defender of citizen safety and freedoms. Learn what it really means to serve and protect. Purchase your copy at CSPOA.org. That's CSPOA.org. Ladies and gentlemen, via email, who won the Battle of the Bands tonight? Keith with uh, the young Critters, or, Younger Girls. Or? Millie Small, My Boy Lollipop. <laughs> well, you know we love that doo-wop stuff around here. We tried well, to. that's not really doo-wop. That's kind of Well, a, now, a come connection. on now. That's like, uh, you know, that, that's yeah, like I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't. That's a bridge between doo-wop and All Motown. right, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. It didn't have sort of the nonsensical, unintelligible doo-wop. Wording well, well, that we it, it, it certainly wasn't high IQ uh, lyrics. <laughs> <laughs> but did it sound good? Yeah, it sounded good. All right, now, uh, now you, now you, <laughs> now you're making me play this. You, you're making me do this, Keith. You're making Am me do I this. Doing it now? Yeah, you're doing this because this is this is quintessential doo wop. Now we played doo wop with uh, uh, "Can't We Be Sweethearts." Uh, we did uh, Ramalama Ding Dong last week. I mean, you know, any excuse we can do to get into this, but, I mean, this is it. That's doo-wop. That's Adele Vikings. Come go with me. That's what doo-wop sounds like. Am I, I got right? One for you now. Am I, I right or am I right? You're right. That's good. But let me give you one now. All right. All right. Barefooting by Robert Parker. Put that in. Wait, barefooting? That was yeah. covered by several people. No, put barefooting Robert Parker. All right, we got to get back to work tonight. There well, we're is. having fun now. Well, I mean, <laughs> all right, we, we are going to finish on a serious note, but all right. 
Well, we know Johnny Rivers did a cover of this. Yeah. I, who this doesn't know this? This is the original. Come on, who doesn't know this? It looks like you, Keith. Yeah. Look up Robert yeah. Parker. Looks just like Keith. Get on your feet. You make me nervous when you're in your seat. Take off your shoes and pat your feet. We're doing a dance that can't be beat. We barefoot. We barefoot. we do it during commercial breaks and after this is the post game show yeah right <laughs> but anyway hey keith all right back to music uh this is the we've seen the latest battlefront and uh, the advance is being made by our side for a change and you're seeing this more and more it goes back to what we're talking about with brad griffin and events is the coming left keith things are changing fights, they can't win well i mean they've they won every fight for the last uh, well, they've won 150 it. They've 60, won it in new york years. city and in san francisco well, they won it all LA, across everywhere but, but everywhere else every, they've won it everywhere they won it on the left coast and on the acela corridor well they and forces into submission here in the south but Things are the South will rise changing. again, <laughs> uh, and maybe it is, and maybe it is right now. But the, anyway, something's happening. Something's happening that is different. This this huge billions of dollars of losses by Bud Light. The fact that they tried to come after this guy as a racist and a and a pro lynching advocate, and now he's the number one. And now he's song wearing in it the as world. the red badge of courage. And other people are rallying behind him, his fellow celebrities in, in country music. I mean, this is all. Uh, very interesting and and noteworthy. And I mean, yeah, I mean, look, I mean, out in San Francisco, Keith, right now, you have all of those major hotel chains that are just leaving, leaving because for Portland, Oregon, and in the Safeway stores in San Francisco, you, you have to walk in to yeah. like a, a a hard plastic cubicle before you can check out because this is the security. You have to like walk into like a security chamber before you can check it's out. Like, because it's like, of, look. The of left the coast theft. and the east coast are like Orwellian now, okay? Orwell could not have conceived what they have devolved into. But now, meanwhile, Red State America is thriving. Red State America is drawing people from Blue State America that have common sense and don't want to live in a, a police state or in a, 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 a liberal dystopia. We're thriving. They're dying. That's telling you something, folks. Believe me, line up on the side of life and growth and healthy families and a healthy economy. Come to Red State America. Depart from Blue State America. Don't look back or you're liable to suffer the fate of Lot's wife. <laughs> All right, Keith. Now we Turned into a pillar of salt. We mentioned this earlier. You, you got in touch with me earlier in this week. You said there's a brand-new article out that mentions uh, long ago uh, – interview that we had with pat buchanan here on tbc what was it about what what was going on there well you had pat buchanan I, i'm gonna let you tell it because well, you, I mean, you're the one who read it you, you told you, me you, about you, it you left you you re, you looked at it i just I saw, said, saw what you texted me well what happened what are you you read it since you tell us well basically pat buchanan got on our show and they said that that was like the kiss of death for pat buchanan and that everybody turned on guess what his best days were in front of him at that point. He was writing a book every year, just about, and all of them were big bestsellers, despite the best efforts of the left to put them down. Guess why? You you look at you look at uh, and if you haven't read because these books, because he lined up with us. You, well, I don't I don't think we made him. He made me. No, no, he no. made me. We didn't make him. And I know you're not saying that. No, but, I'm not saying that. But but the fact of the matter is. 
Death of the West, State of Emergency, Suicide of a Superpower. These Churchill are, and the Unnecessary War. Well, that's a, in a different way, but yes, that too. And he did come on the show to talk about that one. But of the other ones, too, these are absolutely and without question, these take on a racial animus uh, no more or less than we take it on here every week. They were landmark. Have you ever read the Death, of the West, Death of the West? Death of the West is, I think, his magnum opus. And it was the book that basically birthed the movement that you're seeing bear fruit at the present day. Do you not agree? Well, I think Pat Buchanan, now at 84 years of age, he'll be 85 in November, uh, he has uh, reached the level of appreciation that he should have always had. He is known now as the guy who was the forerunner of Donald Trump. These issues won. These issues were the winning issues, even if he wasn't the winner. on he his issues. Have, he should have been our Moses, but even if he couldn't have been because the timing just wasn't right at his time, uh, he is still the one who delivered the Ten Commandments to uh, the, the people who are going to take he, it to, he to the, the promised land. down from Mount Sinai. I think so. And, I mean, you know, I think so because if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't have been here. And it, we, we talked about this earlier. I mean, if I'd gotten my start with uh, Bob Dole or John uh, Jack Kemp or Mitt Romney or Rick uh, Santorum. Mike Pence. Well, Matt, you know, Mike Pence is smarter than we give him credit for. You want to know why? Bob Dole at least had Viagra going for him. Well, that was the only thing that he a had A resurrected cadaver. I think, you know, I got to tell you, and I don't want you to take offense, my friend. Mike Pence may be smarter than you are. You want me to tell you why? Why? He has tapped into the fastest growing demographic in the country. What is that? Holocaust survivors. Yeah. <laughs> no, listen, no, this is the truth. We got this from a friend who listens to every show. Uh, Mike Pence's campaign, if I know him for one thing, it's his subservience to Israel. There's like a star of David on his website. So it kisses the feet of the uh, power and influence. But he's tapping into the fastest growing demographic in the country. And I've got the proof. Cucks. No, no. Holocaust survivors are the fastest growing demographic. Listen, this is it. These are real stories and real datelines. Are you ready to listen? I'm ready. This is why Mike Pence is smarter than you. Uh, he knows, I'm, I'm, I'm here at your feet, old man. He, he's tapping into it and he's hitching his cart to the fastest growing demographic of voters, Holocaust survivors. July 3rd, 2016, Times Magazine headline reads, Ely Weasel. Ely Weasel. Ellie Weasel. <laughs> <laughs> there are, listen, this is the headline in Time Magazine in 2016. There are just 100,000 Holocaust survivors left. Okay, that's 2016. Now, here is a headline from the International Fellowship of Christians and Jews in January of 2019, three years later. Israel home to 200,000 Holocaust survivors. You understand? Yeah. There's 100,000 in 2016, but in 2019, there's 200,000 in Israel alone. And how about this one from The Economist? The Economist in 2020. Four years after there was only 100,000 left, archivists are racing to identify every Jewish Holocaust victim. On the 75th anniversary of the liberation of Auschwitz, only 400,000 Holocaust survivors are still alive. So, <laughs> so I, I, I mean, Mike Pence tapping into this growing There's going to be six million before we know it. <laughs> they're going to come well, back. Well, they've actually, they've back. Act, no, no, they've actually, they've actually figured out a way around it. You've heard that we've talked about this on the show. There is, there are second and third generation Holocaust survivors now because the trauma that they endured was so severe that it actually 
went into their genetic makeup and it can be transmitted on to subsequent generations. There's actually more Holocaust survivors now than we're in 1946. And, and Mike Pence shows you don't even have to be Jewish to do it. You can be there are Jewish Holocaust survivors <laughs> and there are white Gentile kiss asses like <laughs> Mike Pence. And believe me, that second group is the one that is mushrooming like crazy. Okay, they're they're just growing at uh, exponentially. So say there's a, a 19 year old guy out there right now. All right, like I was in 1999 when I got hitched to the Buchanan cart. You think there's a 19 year old guy right now who's getting his start with the Mike Pence for president campaign? Who, uh, 24 years later, is going to be doing anything? Look, I like the way that Tucker Carlson took him to school. He gave him, I mean, he whipped him like a, a barred mule on that uh, interview he did for Turning Point. If you haven't seen that yet, folks, do it. Basically, he said he's never seen anyone before a presidential candidate commit suicide on national TV. But that's exactly what Mike Pence did. Mike Pence, Asa Hutchinson, these wimps from middle America, supposedly red state America, that worship at the shrine of Jewish power and influence. You see what happens to them? They're history, folks. They're gone. Don't be with the losers. Come on with us and the winners. My dad just uh, texted. I wish I could have had time. I didn't know we were this close to the end. We would have played Darlin' Be Home soon. He said Love and Spoonful, uh, Love and Spoonful is one of Paul McCartney's favorite American bands. So, it is. Yeah, they were great. Company. I mean, John Sebastian was a musical genius. We can give credit to somebody from Greenwich, uh, Greenwich Village, but they're not going to. They're not going to reciprocate that. But we're, well, we're honest. That's the well, difference. John Sebastian's moved on to his reward now. So he's is that true? I, is that true? I believe so. Uh, we'll let you know before next show. For all of our staff and crew tonight, for Keith Alexander. For Jose Nino, Brad Griffin, and John Friend, I'm James Edwards. Great show. Back to work. Business as usual tonight. Hard-hitting news. All the topics. Great guests. As only you'll hear here at TPC. And we'll be back with another one just like it. Thank you, everybody. Give us your support. You're listening to Resolution Radio, 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 ResolutionRDO.com.